Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 631, air date May 26th, 2020. Pleasure to have uh, everybody here this evening. A very, very warm welcome to Camelot Castle. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. So tonight we are joined from somebody who has now become recognised as one of the most erudite and brightest minds in the United States. Uh, he is running for the U.S. Senate for the state of Massachusetts. Uh, last time round, he ran against Senator Warren and very, very nearly beat her in the Senate race. Uh, this time round, there is little to no opposition, mm. and his intellect is cutting a swathe through the American political class, and he is the worst nightmare of what we call the deep state and what he calls the not-so-obvious establishment. And I can see there are a lot of people on here joining. I am, of course, referring to Dr. Shiva. And before I bring him on screen, I am just going to uh, show you a little video clip, short video clip, a couple of minutes, uh, that shows uh, Dr. Shiva in action. And uh, here we go. Pocahontas is not happy. She's not happy. She's the worst. Elizabeth Warren earning that nickname after a false claim to Native American heritage. And it's not going anywhere. Her opponent in the Massachusetts Senate race is now using it. I think only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. MIT grad and entrepreneur Dr. Shiva Ayodore even sent Warren a DNA kit, which she returned. He tweeted, I am deeply saddened Senator Warren refused my thoughtful gift-wrapped Birthday gift, the 23andMe DNA test kit. Most unfortunate, hashtag fake Indian. Dr. Shiva joins me now. So you're a real Indian, and you're running against 
a so-called fake Indian. Do you think that's resonating among the folks of Massachusetts? It's resonating big time. And it's resonating across all demographics, Jesse, not only you know, everyday people, but also people who you'd think would not find it funny, you know, the so-called educated elite. Mm -hmm. They also can't stop cracking up. Uh, you know what, you just brought up something about the death count, and I wanted to touch on that with you. We are hearing reports from doctors who are saying they are being instructed to count deaths as coronavirus deaths, even if the person died from a different condition, but at some point in time had contact with somebody who had coronavirus. Dr. Burks just came out and said they're classifying everybody with the virus as a death instead of died from the virus as a death. Uh, why do you think that they are classifying this way? Why do you think there's an exaggeration in the numbers here, if you think there's an exaggeration in the death count numbers? Look, what I do know is this, that the WHO, in conjunction with the CDC, is the one that decides what are called codes, diagnosis codes. Um, most people don't know, when you go into a doctor's office, a doctor looks at you, and in their you know, IT systems, they have to say, okay, Christina has this or this. That is called a diagnosis code. That code, Christina, comes from the um, uh, WHO. So for coronavirus, as I understand, they created two codes. One code was you explicitly, you know, had a test and you had COVID-19. The other one was completely nebulous. Well, sort of smells like that. Maybe he's got some chest pains, something so broad, but it was still under the COVID-19. The doctors in the United States received a letter from the CDC, as I have found out, that went to hospital administrators encouraging them to blur both of those codes. So if someone comes in, they have a pre-existing condition, someone with a chest pain, COVID-19. And that is Dr. Shiva in action. Now, uh, since Dr. Shiva was on our show a few weeks ago, his message has become the seminal message, it has reached hundreds of millions of people worldwide. And Dr. Shiva is now a household name. So what you're about to hear tonight is some exclusive inside data, some inside knowledge from one of the brightest minds. Now, we do want to help Dr. Shiva uh, win in Massachusetts. Yeah. It's very, very important. Massachusetts is a psychiatric stronghold it is uh, the nest of the scientific intellectual elites that have got all sorts of horrible things planned for you all. And this is the man that could stand between you and your health, freedom and sanity, I say. He has a different thing, but to, to be honest with you, this man is fighting for us all. I'm going to bring him on screen and um, Dr. Shiva. Good evening, Dr. Shiva. Welcome home to Camelot Castle. Mm -hmm. You have oh, you nice to thank you. here. Thank you, thank you, Irina. Great to be here again. Well, you 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 you've got quite a following over here. Oh. Uh, Angela says hello from West Yorkshire. Amanda Eliash, who has built, uh, who built the billion-dollar head fortune, um, uh, and she is a great opinion former here and in New York. Uh, mm joining us. And of course, we're joined from Blenheim Palace by His Grace the Duke of Marlborough. Um, it is wonderful, wonderful to have you on the show. What's been going on? Uh, well, uh, what's been going on is um, a, a deeper understanding, uh, John and Irina and everyone joining us, uh, of, of what's been going on. You know, um, since I last spoke to, uh, to, um, to the um, 
people at Camelot Castle and all the uh, community there, you know, I shared with you that one of the important essence of this entire uh, set of events, you know, when I tweeted out almost three months ago was I put out a tweet, which really started this, I think this global understanding of the, um, of essentially the hoax that was going on. I said, you know, as an MIT PhD trained in biological engineering, someone who studies the immune system, that I felt that this entire thing was a fear-mongering hoax intended to do three things. One was to destroy economies, to um, you know suppress dissent, and also to uh, push mandated medicine, which means top-down. Big pharma, as you talked about psychiatric medication, vaccines, a top-down medicine. And, and I think that was in reaction, um, John and everyone else and Irina, to what I think has been going on globally. I think there's been an enlightenment that's been happening where people are rising bottoms up and wanting to intuitively take care of their own health. And this has been a movement I think that's been going on probably around 40 years. And I think those in power do not like that bottoms up movement. So that's what I shared. And, I sh you know, and I've done a lot of videos you know, educating people on the importance of boosting the immune system. And that message is really taking a very powerful, um, you know, and it's dispersing globally because people know intuitively that something doesn't make sense when you try to tell everyone that we have to, you know, uh, stay away from other people, mm. right? When we have to hide ourselves in our homes, when we have to wait for a vaccine, these things, I don't think at a very intuitive level, strike people's human dignity, at, 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 you know, fundamentally. And so I think um, that, uh, message about the message of, hey, what about the fact that, you know, I, I just put out a video about a few days ago summarizing all the videos that I've been doing before, John and Arena, which basically said there are six things that we should do to boost the immune system. Number one is social isolation actually destroys the immune system. You create more anti-inflammatory compounds and you actually reduce antiviral compounds. Our body ultimately is an amazing you know, pharmaceutical factory on its own. There's a whole field called psychoneuroimmunology, which shows us that our body can create things. So, you know, I did these five immune, six immune boosting summaries. One is the exact opposite of what the deep state has done to isolate people. It actually destroys the immune system. You have people getting more depressed now, which is great for big pharma and psych psychiatric companies because they're going on antidepressants or going on antipsychotics. And that feeds a, a very powerful cycle of reducing people's immune system. Mm -hmm. So the real way out of this is we should be in fellowship with people. People should be meeting with other people. The, the positive effects of that actually boost the immune system. Second is obviously the sun. So the first one is something everyone can do. Community of loving people around you, people who support you. The second is the sun, which is vitamin D. Mm -hmm. The third is healthy, you know, the dark green vegetables and fruits and purple fruits particularly, that's what gives you vitamin A, which protects your cell walls. The next is obviously vitamin C, which supports all sorts of immunomodulation functions. Zinc, which we'll talk about when we talk about hydroxychloroquine, support, you know, basically inhibits viral replication. And then a mineral like iodine and iodide, which really supports your thyroid. So that's what I've summarized it to John, to really put that out there, to really give people tools so they overcome the fear. But one of the things that's happened since we spoke, John, separate from that, you know, I, we'll get into more hydroxychloroquine, yeah, yeah. but and but I think we'll get into it more as a discussion goes. But I think I really figured out the missing puzzle of why this actually occurred. Mm. 
okay. why this was precipitated. So we'll talk about that. That would be very, very, very interesting. Uh, His Grace says, good evening and thank you, Dr. Shiva. Uh, and thank you for all you've done, Dr. Shiva, because your narrative and your message, you have now, you have a lot of imitators out there now. Mm. Uh, and and we're, we're proud to plagiarize you. We're proud uh, Dr. Shiva plagiarizes and we admit to it. But you have a lot of um, imitators out there and you were the first mm. to flag up Fire Fauci. That was you that did that. You introduced that to the narrative. I think Fauci's relationship to the public, I can't imagine that you're Fauci's public friend number one. Uh, I think he's, he quakes in his boots when he hears your name. Mm. Um, but wouldn't it be amazing? Just imagine, everybody on here, just imagine if we had somebody who was a senator from Massachusetts, which is normally a non-Trump supporting, mm. and uh, it's normally a Democrat stronghold. Imagine, just imagine what that would do to Big Pharma if we had somebody with this level of integrity in the U.S. Senate. Just that idea alone mm. is worth sharing this with. And what I'd like everybody on on here to do, I know you're all worried about what your neighbors think. For one second, suspend that worry, press the share button and create what is called a watch party. Mm. Very simple thing to do. Mm. It goes on your Facebook timeline and then everybody can watch along with you and you can reply to all their comments and so on and so forth. So um, please do that because it does make a difference and we are making a difference. Um, your message has been heard by millions. Now over here, I'm afraid to say, and I'm embarrassed to say, that our population has been thoroughly and utterly brainwashed by the not-so-obvious establishment or the deep state, as we like to call them, and the merchants of chaos. And one of the things is, is that in America, the truth now about hydroxychloroquine does seem to be coming out. Over here, I spoke to uh, a professor the other night, and he was really, should be, very, very informed about hydroxychloroquine, but he just did not have all the facts. So I just wondered if you've had a chance to look at the new data that's coming out about it, and if you could just give a little bit of, and, and please, I want, just want to say, we are not, this is not a medical show. We are not doctors. We, this is a buyer beware show. It's up to you if you accept this information as true or not true. Um, we're just putting it out there. At Camelot, we say the table's round for a reason. This is a place where you can share ideas freely. This is a free speech platform. And uh, But what would you like to say about hydroxychloroquine from what you've seen? Uh, well, well, John and Irina, I think one of the things that I want to cover today, again, what I like to do, and I think the service um, I hope to do this evening, is to really share with people mm. um, some fundamentals of how the immune system works, mm. okay? And within that context, where hydroxychloroquine fits in, uh, why it, it, it is very beneficial as a prophylactic, which we'll talk about, um, and then also some of its side effects, so everyone's aware, and then give some recent data that just came up with a Korean study, which just came out very recently in an Indian study. Indians have been using it as an anti-malarial for many, many years. Um, but what I hope to do is by covering it in that way, people, as, as, you, can, uh, as you said, can make up their own decision. What happens many times in science and the media is they use a process called reductionism. So they take a very complicated 
set of events or systems and they just focus on one thing. And when you focus on just one thing, like, oh my God, it's, it's side effects, it kills people, it affects you know, people with heart arrhythmias, you take that one thing, you can essentially make it appear like as though this is gonna kill everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the difference between a systems approach versus an approach called reductionism. Okay. So, and just to um, just level set this, to make it why I'm, when I use the word a systems approach, everyone may, some of you may remember the old fable of the king who calls in the six blind men and he brings in a big elephant. And the blind men he has touch different parts of the elephant. And each of those um, blind men has a very different view of what they're seeing, right? Some people who touch the tusk think it's a spear that they are uh, witnessing, or some people who, uh, one of the blind men who bumps into the leg thinks he, it's a tree, someone who touches the, the, you know, the tail thinks it's a brush and so on. So that's what I mean by reductionism. Reductionism, and no one sees the elephant. Right. So what I hope to share here today when it comes to hydroxychloroquine is, let's look at the whole elephant, and you have to approach it from different standpoints, and then people can make up their decision. And that's called a systems approach to life or a systems approach to biology which was basically a field that came out in 2003 at MIT. I was one of the first graduates of the field. I, I did my PhD in that field. And as a part of that, uh, some people may know around 2003, one of the important advancements that was taking place was prior to 2003, the notion of biology was that everything was your genes. If you had these genes, you're going to get this disease and you're screwed. Okay. Excuse my language, but that was a notion that if you have the gene for diabetes, you're going to get it. If you have the gene for this, you're going to get it. Now that plays very well into big pharma because you can create diseases based on a genotype and you can try to figure out some uh, one bullet, you know, single bullet solution. But in 2003, what changed was the Human Genome Project ended. We thought we had about a half a million genes and it turns out we only have 20,000 protein coding genes, the same number of genes as a worm. So this flipped biology on its head because what people realize is, wait a minute, just because you have this gene doesn't mean you're gonna get this disease, but much more in a general level, it realized, people realize that if you look at the human cell, you can't just focus on the nucleus, that you have to look at all the beautiful orchestration of chemical pathways. We're literally a walking chemical factory. And your chemical refinery is different than mine versus arena versus uh, the graces, et cetera, right? We're all different, unique human beings. And one of the things that came came out of that was a need for personalized and precision medicine. So that's when I came back to MIT. And one of the challenges I took on for my PhD work was A, the immune system to understand it, but B, to create, use the computer to create a whole new way of eliminating the need for animal testing and actually use the computer to model um, any type of disease, any type of biological function. And that's what I achieved with a technology I created called Cyto, as in cell, sol, Cytosol. And that technology we use, you know, to help many, many natural product companies figure out the combinations of things that affect different diseases. Um, we don't make vac vaccines, as someone insinuated when I was exposing them. Um, but what Cytosol does is it's really a very powerful engine to understand a systems approach to biology. So what we have the capability to do is we can take any, so we can get, it's really a, uh, the, the source of truth. Cytosol is an amazing way that we can point this engine, let's say it's hydroxychloroquine, what does it actually do? And if you look at hydroxychloroquine, there's been thousands of pieces of literature in the scientific literature done on, on it. We can take all of that literature, step one, we can curate that literature, step two, then we can extract from that literature 
um, the different molecular mechanisms. What do I mean by that? Uh, everyone probably learned in grade school, you know, or high school somewhere, sodium plus chloride gives sodium chloride, right? That's called a chemical equation. Na sodium plus chlorine gives sodium chloride. That's called a chemical pathway. Well, if you look at all of those papers, you'll find that when people are doing scientific research, ultimately what they're doing is discovering some little chemical equation, and then they publish it and they can win a Nobel Prize just for that one little equation. But rarely do people try to put all of this together because it's seen as an intractable problem. And that's the problem I saw for my MIT PhD work. So when I look at hydroxychloroquine, I can look at all the papers that have been written, get them, look at all the different chemical pathways people have talked about it, integrate them, and now you build a systems understanding of what's going on, okay? So that's sort of the background of where I'm coming at it. And it's a capability that, you know, the work I've been doing uniquely offers. And that's why when you said, John, when I came out very, very strongly to fire Fauci, to go after this, uh, and the others have followed, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a systems guy. That's what I do every day for the last 20, 30 years. So, so you could see that what Fauci was saying. Well, yeah, I was the first guy who, I mean, no one, I mean, he was a holy grail. You don't attack Fauci. If you look prior to my attacking him, no one said, oh, he's a, he's a head of, you know, the National Institute of Infectious Diseases. He's cited in all these papers. Who would ever attack him? Well, no one, I mean, none of these quote unquote activists, none of these MDs would dare attack him. But the reason I was able to attack him was on the following scientific principle. The entire vaccination model was based on the 1962 Kennedy Vaccination Act, okay, which basically was based on a very, very meager understanding of science, which basically said that your immune system is this very frail system that is composed of two little components and that we need to vaccinate you to offer this intervention to create antibodies. Well, it's far more complex than that. And I was selected, you know, to give the prestige lecture at the National Science Foundation back in November. So I'm a recognized expert in this. When I look at this and I look at where Fauci is, he's sitting on about a 50 to 150 year old science of the immune system. Now that benefits those in power yeah. and that understanding of the immune system leads us to where we are today is to say that the only solution is vaccination. And in fact, the people who claim to be against vaccines they're, they've been wanting to move this as a regulatory model. And I expose those people who now come in and are plagiarizing the work I'm doing to try to run, you know, you know, run a Monday night quarterback to try to make up for the fact that they've been actually part of this. That's who I call the not so obvious establishment, who've been part of the, the problem for nearly 15 years, essentially working with the top down medicine. But fundamentally, when you start putting the pieces together, John, what you find is there are two systems which I want that are involved in really uh, that we need to focus on when we want to talk about immunity. Okay. Two systems relative to a virus. One system is the virus replication system. Mm -hmm. And the other system is what we call your immune systems overreaction to a virus if it's weakened. Okay. So there's really two boxes here in terms, and you know, there's many subsystems within that. And so uh, what I'm going to share with you is I don't think it's really been articulated this clearly by anyone. And I'm going to do that again um, because I really want to empower people. So if you think about this, a virus comes into you. If you remember last time I talked about there are really five major systems in your body, not two, which is what Fauci um, uses. 
uh, is that, you know, your innate system, you know, the virus, let's say someone sneezes on you, the virus goes into your eyes, your nose, you know, your skin. This is called the innate immune system. And your body has an ability to thwart that if it is not weakened and not dysfunctional. That's called your innate immune system. Almost it has infantry to go and start shooting to take it down. In the second system, the old model of the immune system had was called your adaptive immune system, which is a thing that has sharpshooters to create antibodies. Okay, but that's the only two systems that they had. However, what I shared was that there's not only those two systems. We have the microbiome, all of our amazing gut bacteria. We also have the interferon system. We have the uh, gut-brain access to our neural system. So it's more complicated. But what that provides us is an understanding that you can't just, it's not just about vaccinations. There's many other systems our body has to support immunity. So that's sort of the broad major system. Now, when a virus comes to you, what the virus is attempting to do is it's, it's attempting to use you to replicate itself, okay? Now, we all have viruses within us. As I mentioned, we have about 380 trillion viruses in our body right now. We have 60 trillion bacteria, and we only have about six trillion human cells, okay? We're basically all wa walking germ factories. So this is, needs to be remembered. The issue is when a virus comes from the outside, what we need to talk about is a viral load. You, we all probably have some amount of coronavirus in us. There's all different things. We probably all have one or two bits of all sorts of viruses. The issue is how much of that virus is within us that's called a viral load, okay? So what a virus tries to do in this, one of its capabilities, it tries to replicate itself and tries to replicate a lot of itself. Now, if that load becomes substantive, then you are prone to a disease. Your body, the secondary system your body has is an ability to fight that virus mm -hmm. by its own immune onslaught, like I just talked about, all these five major systems. When it attacks that virus, in, in the normal condition, it doesn't, um, it, in the normal condition, it knows how to take it out and resolve it. And right now, in every millisecond, your body is doing this. But if your immune system is weakened and dysfunctional, your body will actually not only try to attack the virus, but it'll overreact and it'll attack parts of your body. And that's called a cytokine storm, okay? So these, there's these two things that you're trying to modulate. All right, so let's start with the viral replication. That essentially has four major steps. So when a virus comes to you, let's say here's a cell, the virus's first step it's trying to do is to get inside that cell. Step one, okay? In the case of the coronavirus, so if you think about this, a, a big circle is your cell, the virus lands almost like a spaceship on the surface of your cell. Mm -hmm. And then what it's trying to do in step one is to essentially uh, get into that cell. So think about it, it's like a thief trying to get into your house and trying to use your, let's say you had a Xerox machine inside your house and replicate more thieves, okay? If you can imagine that. In this case, the virus wants to get in and start replicating itself. Well, in order for it to get in, it has to find um, a receptor where it can lock, turn the key, and get in, to put it in simple terms. In the case of the COVID-19 virus, that receptor is called the ACE2 receptor. You don't need to know what it is, ACE2 receptor. Right. So the spike proteins, you know, everyone's seen those pictures with those little spikes on the coronavirus, that happens to fit into that receptor, turn it, and that turning action is called glycosylation. If you want it, you can write it down. Um, but it's a chemical process. And then if the virus is able to execute that process, it gets into the cell. Okay, that's step one. 
-hmm. Once it gets in, inside that virus is called nucleic acids. To be specific, it's not like your DNA, it's half of that DNA, it's called RNA, ribonucleic acid. Remember the two helixes of the DNA? Um, uh, helix, that's called deoxyribonucleic acid. If you have only one half of it, that's called RNA, ribonucleic acid. So the virus has RNA in it. So once it gets in, the second step it tries to do is to use your Xerox machine. In the case of the cell, it's called your ribosome. So it takes that RNA, it puts it through its ribosome and starts replicating more and more copies of the RNA. That's called RNA replication, step two. Once it replicates the RNA, then it reassembles itself. The RNA that it injected is quite amazing. It actually has a blueprint to create its entire self. It's quite amazing how uh, nature is. So the RNA replicates itself, and then step three, it reassembles the exterior of itself. Mm. That's step three, and then it transports the entire virus which is formed out. So four-step process, enter, replicate, reassemble, and transport, four processes, okay? That's the viral replication system. Now, your immune system, when it detects the virus in the normal case, if it's working fine, will stop the different parts of it. In a, a strong immune system, for example, if you have enough vitamin D, will blow up the virus's sh shell so it can't even enter. If you have proper vitamin A, the virus can't even land on the cell. There's enough um, cytokeratins, like a wall, like you have, uh, let's say in Camelot, Castle, if you had a moat, right, a wall, no one can enter it, right? Um, if you have proper zinc, the viral replication can't take place, and so on, right, and transport. So if your body's properly has nutrition, a lot of these processes are cut. So yeah, you may get one or two viruses, you know, off, off trillions, you know, but it can't replicate itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We're with you. And we're not, okay. what's amazing about how and I don't know if anybody here agrees with me, but what is so amazing about Dr. Shiva is that he is really giving us a university education in virology or how viruses work. Frankly, I was a bit thick at school, to be absolutely honest, and mm. I'm understanding it, you mm. see. And that is the great ability of and why I think you're such a, an amazing communicator. Such an and why, asset you are. Such an asset to the president, such an asset to America, and such an asset really, to the people, mm, to the people mm, of this mm. world. And that's why it is so important. If somebody could put in the comments here the Dr. Shiva website for the election, for the his run for the Senate, I want all of you to sign up tonight. We've got over, my gosh, we've got 1,241 people live on the stream. That's a record, even from last time, Dr. Shiva. Uh, it could even be a record for the show coming up for it. So keep sharing it, and let's try and get the record. Start watch parties this is data that you and your family need and can understand. Because I promise you, if I can understand this stuff, I was a thicko at school. Um, <laughs> we all can. <laughs> so thank you so much. You're, you're, no, that you're was brilliant. Completely really following brilliant. you. So please continue. Can continue, continue. This is yes. So by, by the way, you know, I have to, you know, when I came to the United States, I had a great third grade teacher. You know, I grew up in a working class town in New Jersey. I learned more from my public school teachers. And then, um, you know, my teachers always said that, and these were everyday working people. One of the things that happens in education, John and Irina and everyone listening, is that the elites try to make things so complicated and they purposefully, they purposefully obfuscate things, which means make things very complicated 
So everyday people cannot grasp things. And part of one of my missions, when I the reason I communicate and I, I try to articulate these things simply without losing the complexities, because that's how people get armed. Right. Because my goal is to be a catalyst here so other people can become warriors for truth, freedom and health. And that's what we, that's what the order of the day is. Uh, I am like a weapons manufacturer, meaning I'm creating weapons of knowledge and information. And I try to make them easy with these videos like we're doing so other people can explain it to others. We have to have that process where everyone can learn, teach and serve, learn, teach and serve. So right now what I'm doing is serving because I've gone through those processes. But when you learn this and you can sort of use this video and you can teach others, you actually learn it even better. But what I've just shared with you is pretty much, you know, probably five, six courses you'd have to take in virology or immunology, et cetera. But that, those are the four steps that occur, and, and, and you'll see where hydroxychloroquine comes, but I want to give you this background. Well, virus so what you're basically saying is we're all arms dealers now. Yes, good one. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're soldiers and arms dealers, we're both. We're soldiers and arms dealers, except to clarify right. for the fake news out there that'll take that out right. of context, we are arming ourselves with the truth. And, knowledge, and knowledge. any fake news or merchants of chaos out there watching us, we are coming for you very shortly, this data, <laughs> very shortly, and we're arming thousands of people tonight. So God bless you all. Dr. Shiva, do continue. So, so, it's, so, so just think about it, it's a system. So nature is quite amazing. It's created a system. It's not just one thing, the virus, the virus entry, the, virus rep the RNA replication, in the case of an RNA virus, which is what COVID is, 19, the reassembly, and then the transport. Okay, those four processes. So if you want to knock out the process, think about it. You can hit one or two or three or four steps. And this will come um, down when you start looking at intervention. So when you start looking at the literature, you start, hey, which what does vitamin D do? Mm -hmm. Does it you know, what does remdesivir do? And, you you know, we can talk about it. Remdesivir only hits one of those. Right. But you start realizing that, wow, if I really use food as medicine, I can start knocking out many of these processes. You can have more of a, you can be an orchestra conductor in your own life to knock out multiple processes. And that's really what we want to teach people. Now, the other system is what I call the, the other system here is the immune reaction of your own body, right? The virus is doing its thing. The thief is coming into your house. He's He's basically using your Xerox machine, he's generating himself and he's trying to go to the next um, uh, house and steal there and do the same process, okay? Now your body in the, in, the, in the normal cases observing this, it's seeing the virus come in, remember through the innate system, and it's saying, wow, let me send out my first infantry, which is the innate system, but there's another system called the interferon system. It may try to use that, it may try to use your microbiome, you know, all the rich bacteria that you have when they're in order so it has multiple subsystems, which it will normally use if it's properly fed. And it'll, in fact, stop the virus from ever entering, John. It can stop the virus from not only ever entering, as it's replicating itself, blow up the shell of the virus so it can't reassemble. However, if your system is dysfunctional, pre-existing conditions, you smoke, you have high blood pressure, you're obese, you go down the list as you age. Right. The average, by the way, the average age of the person dying in Massachusetts of COVID-19, listen very carefully, was 82 years old. The average age. Guess what the life expectancy in Massachusetts is? It's 80.5. OK, so as you age, your thyroid function goes down, 
your acid in your gut bacteria goes down. Now, these are very important because if you don't have enough stomach acid, you leave, you have putrefying bacteria and those can create viruses internally also and your immune system weakens. If your thyroid is not working right, you're not able to convert all the beautiful, rich, uh, leafy green vegetables, the, the carotenoids into vitamin A to protect your cell walls. So anyway, so, so as you age, you have pre-existing conditions. If you're socially isolated, okay? If you don't have friends and family, guess what happens? Your body produces less antiviral compounds, increases inflammation. These things cause dysfunction to your immune system. And in that case, when your immune system senses a virus coming in, it not only tries to attack it, but it will also go attack the tissues where that the viruses, components of the virus go land. And every virus, the components of the virus land in different parts of tissues. In the case of Ebola, mm -hmm. the virus particles go land in your arterial endothelium, which means near your heart and your arteries. That's why people start bleeding internally because your own body, a weakened immune system, is attacking itself. In the case of the coronavirus, it goes to your lung epithelial tissue. So your body goes, attacks itself. People start building up fluid. And in, so you have to lower the fluid. That's why I recommended you have to use high dose vitamin C to the, to the letter to the president. But the point is you have the you have your other system, which in the normal case senses it, goes and attacks it. If that's weakened, it creates what's called a cytokine storm. OK, that's in the case. So what does hydroxychloroquine do? Well, hydroxychloroquine is, uh, first of all, it, it, it comes, you know, the origin of it is an anti-malarial, right? There's a thing called quinine, which, which, which is a bark of a tree, which, you know, people in India and Africa have been using for years, uh, you know, in its natural form. And, it, and, you know, it has a certain amount of efficacy, mm. but um, it was refined through organic synthesis through something called chloroquine and later on hydroxychloroquine. All right. Through an um, organic synthesis process. Organic chemistry is an amazing field where you can take compounds and you can do all sorts of reactions to create this. So hydroxychloroquine, uh, chloroquine, it's one of these compounds. Mm -hmm. um, if people go to, to, to the truthfreedomandhealth.com website, I have a, if you want to understand the, the structures, I'm not going to do uh, any graphics here, but it's a compound. Okay. So what's very powerful about hydroxychloroquine is guess what? It hits all of the, remember we have these two subsystems. It hits all of the subsystems, step one, two, three, and four. Hydroxychloroquine actually stops what's called glycosylation. It inhibits glycosylation. What is glycosylation? In step one, remember when that virus lands and it sticks its key into the lock of their AC2 receptor and turns it? Well, to put it simply, that process is called glycosylation. Mm -hmm. Hydroxychloroquine stops that process. Quite amazing. Amazing. Okay. Hydroxychloroquine also stops process number two, which is RNA replication, which means it, it basically goes and stops the thief from using your Xerox machine, right? Step three, it also stops virus assembly and it stops virus transport. So hydroxychloroquine is quite amazing because it hits all the four processes. To give you the sort of, to give you an example, remdesivir, which is the one that Fauci is pushing, only stops RNA replication, okay? Only one of those four processes. And moreover, remdesivir is tuned to the current virus, mm -hmm. which means that if the virus mutates, they're gonna create another 
Remdesivir version 2.0, 3.0. This is a very nice recurring revenue stream for big pharma. Very expensive. It's What's an, that? An expensive medication, isn't it? Yeah, it's thousand uh, dollars. Hydroxychloroquine is pennies. It's a generic drug. Uh, it's pennies relative to you know it's it's orders of magnitude remdesivir and so if you think about that four step process remdesivir only hits one and if the virus replicates it's basically uh, mutates it's basically useless right. hydroxychloroquine is a much more that's why it was used as an anti-malarial the the to give you an update on this you know the indian government has been using this extensively and if you look at the, as a prophylactic mm -hmm. so if you're a hospital worker and you feel you were exposed, they're giving it to healthcare workers. And they've had amazing. Now, the problem with a preventative drug, the opposition will say, well, you can't prove prevention, right? Because how do you show that it actually worked? You could have said what it could have been many other factors. Mm. So that's where I want to talk about side effects. So the reason I approached it this way in this discussion is I wanted to show you that mechanistically, from a pathway analysis, that it actually is hitting for the subsystem, inarguably. No one can argue with that. Okay. Now, people say, well, it's got around all these side effects. People who have heart arrhythmias, you have to be careful with them. True. But the dosaging that we're giving is very, very low dosage as a prophylactic, which means if you think you're asymptomatic, you may have been exposed. It's around, you know, in the Indian study, 200 to 400 milligrams, very low dosage. And you do it for around 10 days and you basically protect your immune system for about four weeks and you can take another dosage again. Yes, it has side effects. We should not ignore those. And, and there's many, you know, from diarrhea to vomiting, it can affect heart arrhythmia, but if you are prone to getting that, you make sure a cardiologist is monitoring that, right? I mean, there's, it's like, there's not, One, uh, it's, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, one question keeps coming up. Does it need zinc with it? Do you have to take it with zinc? Yes, yeah, so, so I wanted to speak about that. Okay. It's very, very important to take hydroxychloroquine with zinc. Because why is that important? There, there is a phenomenon called ionophores. Okay, what that means is zinc, first of all, there's thousands of papers written on zinc, John, showing how zinc is extremely valuable in stopping that viral replication, basically stopping the Xerox machine from, from separate alone from hydroxychloroquine. What hydroxychloroquine does, it think about in order for the zinc to get in, it increases the porosity right, the porousness of your cell membrane so the zinc can get in. So zinc and hydroxychloroquine should be taken together, much more effective, okay, to stop all of those four processes. All right, now I would argue that take it with vitamin D, you know, take it with vitamin C and take it with all of them, okay, if you want to. They give it with as well, the Zelenko protocol says, Take it with azithromycin or a Z-pack, you call that's that. That's for over secondary there. infection. Though. Oh, that's for the secondary, is it? Yeah, that's for the secondary thing. So, 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 so I think, look, there are many subsystems in the immune system, right? Your innate, your adaptive, the interferon, the gut bacteria. Now, when you start taking antibiotics, you know, you just have to be careful because you could reset your gut bacteria. And you have to make sure you're taking enough other kinds of foods like yogurts and other fermented foods to make sure you don't upset your gut bacteria. But if we want to focus on hydroxychloroquine to the question, yes, zinc is extremely important to take with it, mm -hmm. okay? Because what that allows you to make sure you can keep the dosaging at a low dosage. You see, one of the important things, John, is when I created Cytosolve, one of the reasons I created this is there's a phenomenon called synergy in nature. So if people eat Indian food, you know, something called curry powder, mm -hmm. curry powder has 
not just one herb in it. It's got turmeric, it's got cardamom, it's got um, you know uh, cloves, it's got anise seed, it's got uh, you know ginger, uh, a whole uh, synergy of nutrients. And the reason food is medicine, why curry powder got created over thousands of years, people figured this out. It's an anti-inflammatory, it's an antibacterial, it's anti I mean, it has amazing properties. But it's not just any one chemical. It's a combination of chemicals. So when I created Cytosol, my goal was to replicate what my grandmother did in that small village. And in traditional systems of medicine, they never gave you just one drug mm -hmm. or one refined nutrient. They actually gave you combinations and it was designed for you because a combination effect turns on multiple receptors, has what's called an ensemble effect. Okay? So hydroxychloroquine by itself and zinc has an ensemble effect to hit all these pathways. And I would argue, we'll come back to vitamin D and all the, you know, the five immune boosting protocols. But what I want to summarize here is if you look at those four systems, mm -hmm. hydroxychloroquine with zinc hits all four. Remdesivir only hits one. Now let's go on to the cytokine storm. What's really also valuable to understand is that that hydroxychloroquine also has a very powerful effect in actually um, uh, modulating that cytokine storm, John and Irina. So it inhibits inflammatory cytokines. Remember, one is you want to stop the viral replication, so you keep it down. But if your immune system is weak mm -hmm. and it's dysfunctional, you also want to make sure your own immune system doesn't go attack itself. Mm -hmm. So one of the important things is that there are what are called pro-inflammatory cytokines in your body, like TNF-alpha. People who know chemistry or biology will know this. So what uh, hydroxychloroquine also does, separate from this four-part system, it also modulates the cytokine storm, okay? Yeah. which is very valuable. So now one of the, mo uh, the, the aspects of this is this has been proven very valuable, mm -hmm. you know, particularly when people feel they've been exposed to someone. Okay. Because the argument that the opposition makes to hydroxychloroquine, they say, well, you have no proof that it actually works. And they're right to the extent that when you're looking at preventative measures or prophylactics, you can't really prove it. Right. But you can show that, wait a minute, all of the 200 hospital workers, like in the Korean and the, uh, one of the Indian studies, I forget, I have to go back and look at them, none of them got any COVID-19, okay? And they were all on the prophylactic of taking, now they may have had good immune systems, et cetera. So you can't, to their point, you can't say it didn't cause this. However, what you can say is this, because they also attacked hydroxychloroquine, saying it creates all these side effects. Well, none of them experienced side effects. Right. So worst case they didn't experience side effects and in the case of these hospital workers none of them got COVID-19 so that means and if I layer it in with the picture I just shared of you of the immune system and the fact that the second part that hydroxychloroquine goes hits those four pathways and it didn't have side effects now you start getting a systems picture right of that's why I wanted to hit it with multiples what is the immune system the two major aspects of it the fact that hydroxychloroquine hits four of those, all four subsystems in the viral replication process, it also knocks down the cytokine storm. Mm -hmm. And the fact is with the clinical work that people have done, if you don't want to believe that it prevented it, because you can say you can't prove it, you didn't have side effects there. And in the rare case people have side effects, when they talk about the heart arrhythmias when they were giving high dosage, well, those people are already in a worst case situation. They're already having all sorts of problems because they're on so many different drugs. 
So when you look at this whole picture, it makes sense to offer this as a prophylactic. Now, I would say from a systems person, if you're going to go this route, make sure also beef it up with vitamin D, beef it up with the vitamin A, beef it up with the zinc, beef it up with the iodine and, you know, layer in the vitamin C. And um, this is no different than, you know, you're getting ready to go out in, the, in, in a cold weather. You put on a nice T-shirt, layer one, maybe you put on thermals, maybe you put on a hat, maybe you put on mufflers. You're putting enough things to protect your body. And it's not the, you know, you wear a scarf, right? Enough combinations of those things give you protection and give you strength for your immune system. Thank you well, so much, Dr. Shiva. I, I studied it so much in terms of research, but I never, ever understood it in the way that you explained. I understand it so well now, and I'm seeing from comments, people are just loving your explanation. It's so simple. Thank you so much. Uh, his, You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Grace that you come over has just asked, at what point in you catching mm. COVID-19 do you start or take hydroxy? At what point? Well, well, so look, so let me go back to the central principle. Mm -hmm. My position as a central principle is to boost the immune system. So you don't even need hydroxychloroquine, okay? But the central goes to boost the immune system. So if you look at, you know, if you look at this overall process, right? Seasons change. Mm -hmm. November to March, at least if you're above the Atlanta latitude, right? In, in, in the world, um, we don't get as much sun. In England, you don't get as much sun. We don't get as much sun during that November to March period. Right. I would argue, and I'm looking forward thinking now, John and Irina and, 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 and your grace into September, October, because I believe the deep state is gonna to try to execute this again. So let's just be forward thinking. So if you're thinking about October, November, December, January, March, they're gonna start their propaganda up around September. Thanks. So my view is starting, you know, if, if you, one of the most important things to protect your immune system is sun. Mm. You know, 10 to 15 minutes with your arms and, you know, obviously before you go put on all the sunscreen. Mm. Because that 10 to 15 minutes of sun will boost up your uh, vitamin D levels in your body. Now, that may not be enough if you're an athlete and you're, remember, vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a hormone that affects so many subsystems. It affects you know, it, it supports, um, you know, um, infection. It supports so many subsystems. So if your body is weakened in any one area, you may obviously need more vitamin D. And since I started promoting vitamin D hard, John, now the scientists are saying, oh, be careful. You know, it can hurt you. Yeah. Well, this is typically what they come out with. Yeah, it can hurt you if you uh, don't understand what your body needs. But if we are typically people in the no Northern region and we're not getting enough sun, you should stop, start beefing up with vitamin C, particularly during that November, March. Now, but if you're a surfer and you've been out and, you, and you've been out or you're a homeless person, mm -hmm. by the way, the homeless people have very low COVID ID 19. You know why? Because they get a lot of sun. So during the, they're out in, in the weather. So most of us don't do that anymore. But if you're out and you're getting a lot of sun, you basically create your vitamin D stores and then you're cool, you know, your, your body's in pretty good shape during that winter season, okay? Especially if you can get the salmon and the sardines and the mackerel. These things, the fatty fish, support you. But if you can't, most of us can't anymore, and we're under stress and we have all sorts of st stuff going on. So the reason I'm, I'm answering the, the Grace's question this way is it depends on where you are in the season and your condition. So if you are prone, if you are elderly, 
if you're pro- if you're immunocompromised, all those things. I would say, and you know this coronavirus or virus is coming, it doesn't hurt you to start juicing up on vitamin D, the vitamin A, the zinc, the iodine uh, in the protocol I laid out. So build up, What's up? Build up ahead of steam. Through the yeah, but but be but be mindful that it you know if you're getting enough sun outside and you're eating a lot of green vegetables and you know all the and you have a good diet, um, you don't need as much. But it's very easy to go get a simple test for vitamin D. You know, it's it's you know it's easy to get that. So we shouldn't allow these. By the way, seventy-five to ninety-five percent of the people in the world are vitamin D deficient. Okay, let's I, let's keep I, this I, in contact. I had What's that? I had a test in Florida. I have an excellent doctor in Florida. And he uh, tested me for vitamin D, and I was very low mm. on vitamin D. And he gave me a couple of uh, vitamin D shots, and it perked me up no end. It was uh, excellent. Yes. So, again, the, the thing that we need to uh, – what I want to arm everything here is people need to recognize that just to step back and look at what I'm saying. I'm talking about things that are natural. Social communication, friends and family, that boosts your immune system. Friendship, fellowship. You know, be, be, you have a, a bridge playing team or you go to church. All these things are, are very powerful for the immune system. Number one, that's free. Number two, the sun, free. Number three, green leafy vegetables and the, particularly the purple high carotenoid foods, free, relatively free. You can grow it. You can get it from your local farmer. Don't, the, slap, on the, don't slap on the sunscreen immediately. You no, you shouldn't do that because you're blocking that. I mean, you need a certain amount of vitamin D, right? We've been, you know, you know. 10 to 15 minutes before, and then if you want to protect yourself, put on the sunscreen or take the vitamin D3 supplements, right? Fatty fish. I'm talking about the wild Alaskan salmon, Mm. the wild sardines. Some people may not like sardines The mackerel. These are the fatty fish. Very, very rich in vitamin D3 particularly, not D2, D3. Okay. So to the the supplement, if you, if, if you supplement vitamin D, what is the, what is the good safe dosage of it? Well, so again, it, it, you know, I, in the letter I wrote to the, you know, the toxic levels they say per day are 40,000 IUs. Right. Okay. Now this fear is, oh my God, if you take too much, it's going to hurt your kidneys. Yeah, that's true. But it's been such rare cases of that happening. My recommendation is if people in the winter time during September to March, you know, you take five to 10,000 IUs. Okay. And again, it's easy to go to your doctor nowadays and have a test done. Look, the people in Africa were out in the sun were digging root vegetables. None of them got COVID-19 because they're getting enough sun. Should they take a supplement? Probably not. They probably got enough sun. And moreover, if you're dark, if you're a person of color, you're going to need more vitamin D because, you know, skin like mine blocks it. And this is why you could argue that the preponderance of African-Americans, people of color, Mm. having uh, more of these pre-existing conditions and them dying more because they don't get enough vitamin D. So vitamin D is not just a vitamin, it's a hormone. So, but the goal here, John, is to enlighten people. Okay, let me understand that it's really the sun. That's what the supplement really is. Okay, I'm not getting a lot of sun. Maybe I should take more. My recommendation is, Arena, for adults, five. what I take is 5,000 to 10,000 IU. But if I'm getting a lot of sun, you know, I don't take as much. Now, ideally, you would go have a vitamin D test, right, if you can do it. And then find it. What John did was you took a booster shot. If people are seriously deficient, you can go upwards of 50,000 IUs, you know, for two days. So 100 and then not do it for a month because vitamin D does get stored. Now, you have to understand all depends on your level of stress. Vitamin D is a hormone. It 
it affects so many processes. If you're an athlete and you're working hard and you're doing, you probably need more vitamin D. But the problem is each one of us has got to figure out what's right for us. The goal here is to make people aware that this is an important nutrient. The goal is to make people aware friendships are important. That boosts your immune system. Vitamin A, the green leafy vegetables, obviously organic, not polluted, is important. The two minerals that are important are iodine, which we've depleted from our soil. We, the doctor scared people don't use salt. Salt you know, had iodine in it. And so people had more problems because they, they were iodine deficient. Iodine, and look, there's many things, but these are sort of the building blocks. So having said that, if you want to take hydroxychloroquine, I would say take it along, you know, make sure this is your base, like you have this going on in your life, okay? We had a, a gentleman who called me and he was getting a high fever and this, and he's with a wife and his wife has MS and he was really afraid to go tested because he was afraid they were going to separate him and his wife. So, you know, I put him on vitamin D, you know, and his fever was 102. He probably had COVID, but guess what? In two days, all gone. Okay. So I'm not here to give medical advice, but what I'm telling you is as a systems biologist, that you have multiple systems taking place. People can start using their own brains now and take responsibility for their own health, given the infrastructure that I've provided in this talk. Yeah. So I want to so, be very clear. Nobody here is giving medical advice. You're not no. giving medical advice. No. You're just sharing the knowledge that you have. But just to speak again to His Grace's question, subject to you doing all the things to boost your immune system, all of a sudden, That's what I think you find first thing you've, got a, you've got a bit of a tickly cough or whatever, or you've got, at what point in the cycle of the well, proxy? I think if you've been exposed to someone with coronavirus and you suspect that, it's good to start taking that. I think it's a 10-day regimen. It's, it's, I think the Indian government and others have published what it is. It, you want to take it as early as possible, right, ahead, because it doesn't do that well later on when you have full-blown onset. Remember, it's a profile. Everything I've given you, these five things, six things, and these are prophylactics, okay? They support those processes within your body. So I would say as early – look, when I, when I feel something coming on, John, you know what I do? This is a trick I have. I Whenever I feel any tickle coming on, it's going to – I take a whole bulb of garlic right. and it's worked for me like a charm. I slice into small pieces. I take either ghee, which is clarified butter or butter, roast it in it very mildly and take as much as I can take. And I make basically a garlic sandwich. And if you do it early on, it knocks it out and zinc and a little bit of vitamin C. So I think the important question you just asked there, John, is when you feel it, what the, the entire purpose of this talk here should be, let's start taking control of our own health. Start understanding your body. If you feel a tickle coming on, do something about it. Don't wait until it onsets because the immune system works in a very timed fashion. When a virus first comes, that's called the early phase of the immune system. You have 72 hours. Right. So you basically have three days to support your immune system. If it do, if you don't hit it then, then the virus goes into that replication, you know, it's in, in, into the late stages. It's starting to replicate itself. So the, you know. That a lot of medicine, in, in our view, or in your view, is, is, is very much a case of too little, too late. You know. Too little, too late. Yeah, you're better off catching it early. And that means starting to build an intuitive understanding of your body. One of the things I did, John, is when I decided to run for U.S. Senate, it wasn't just running for Senate campaign. My goal was to arm people with knowledge with truth, freedom, and health. So what we decided was, 
I, uh, you know, I have a book called System and Revolution, which is here. But I wrote this is not just a book I'm trying to hawk. Move it. Um, I put it in front of your face so people can see. Right there. Okay. Oh, yeah, yes. there we go. Yes. So System and Revolution is a book that I wrote. It's a pretty short book. People can read it in about um, 20, uh, I mean, about two hours. But it's a book that consolidates four decades of my knowledge to teach people what is a system, John. And what I discovered after I finished my PhD when I went back to India is that the Indian systems of medicine, they use a language to describe when my grandmother looked at your body, she figured out your body's particular system state, your body. Right. And then she would figure out what were the right things for you. Well, she was basically what I found out was the Indian system of medicine matched one to one with engineering systems theory of the West. So when I wrote System and Revolution, it was basically I wanted to educate everyone how their body is a system, how their computer is a system, how their thermostats a system, everything in the universe is a system. And it follows the same principles. Mm. And so people can understand those principles. Then I also created another tool which we make accessible called Your Body, Your System. Mm -hmm. And you can basically use this tool to understand what kind of system you are, if you're on, if you're being you or you're off course, and how foods and supplements can bring you back to you. It's Again, I wanna say it's not a medical tool. Right. It's a tool to help you get back in touch with that your, everyone's body has a center point where you say, wow, I feel great, right? right? Everyone's had that feeling. Hopefully if they haven't, they should get it. Mm -hmm. But once you know that you feel great, the issue is feeling when you're not great and then doing the right things to bring you back into alignment. So when you feel that tickle, when you feel something's off, it's that point is when we need to do the right things. In the traditional systems of medicine, a disease had six stages. The early stage when you're feeling that tickle, the later stage maybe you're getting congested. You see it had six stages. Ideally, you know, finally your, your lungs are filling up with fluid, right? That's in the late stage. Western medicine typically focus on stage five and six because they want to sell you ventilators. They want to hit you with big pharma. But that's why we as human beings need to take responsibility for our own health and start seeing those early stages and neutrifying ourselves. So I think the Grace's question is very important. Timing. When should you do this? Early as possible. Uh, His Grace has put up uh, a, uh, uh, another comment. I'll just put it on the screen here. It says, totally understand. He says, I suffer. He's obviously uh he says i suffer from seasonal affective disorder sad or whatever that is so this would by by catching these sort of what you're saying is in the winter one can get you know the, the body can be hit by these things but if you are building things up and preparing for the winter and you're gaining an understanding of your immune system and how that interacts a great deal might be possible it might be possible to to avert that mightn't it yeah, I think for, for to the Grace's uh, question, you know, this is really caused by a lot of deficiency in vitamin D, right? Sun. Uh, it, so each one of us is a very unique body system. So after a while, when you come to understand yourself as you're getting ready for that, two months, three months before, that's probably good to start beefing up on the vitamin D and the vitamin A. Uh, maybe recognizing, you know, I should probably take vacation, have friends around me, right? Um, be in some more sunny environments. And these are things that we should start recognizing. Look, what systems theory tells you is that, first of all, we have to decide what our goal is. The thermostat that everyone has in your home right there has a goal. And in order for your thermostat to achieve that goal, what happens? Your heating system is monitoring your temperature and it's adjusting the furnace and it's, it's sending different inputs. And so you maintain that temperature. 
The first step everyone needs to recognize is what is your goal? Is your goal to maintain health? Is it to have a strong immune system? You have to start with that. So if that's the goal, then you have to decide, well, there's fluctuations. There's a thing in systems theory called disturbances. Disturbances are always going to take place. You have, uh, you know, an argument with someone, you get stressed out. You have employees who are not working while you get stressed out, right? Um, you didn't wear your scarf properly. So you're, so these are disturbances that are taking place in people's lives continually. If we can be intuitive about, hey, that happened to me, what do I need to do today to bring me back into alignment to me? This is basically control systems thinking. Your thermostat does this every day. Your windshield wiper does this every day, right? The automatic ones. And that is called systems thinking, control systems thinking. Now, what's happened over the years is the mainstream media does not want us to be intelligent systems with our goal. It wants to send you an input and an output, okay? You're feeling like this, take this drug, okay? A McDonald's burger, go buy it. Right. It's so. I can't overemphasize the real aspect of this is people, we as people need to recognize that we have a considerable amount of control and we should recognize when we're sensing, that's why sensors are very important, your own intuition, prayer, meditation, these things actually help you bring you back to your own senses, your own intuition. And that intuition will guide you, you know what, as a grace said, you know, I'm prone to, you know, a seasonal uh, disorder. So you know that's going to come. Let me beef myself up. Let me perhaps take vacations into some warm climate, right? Let me have friends around me. These are all inputs into your system which support the immune system. There are many others. That's Absolutely. That's I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing this knowledge with us now. Um, Could we say something really quickly about vitamin C? Yeah, so vitamin C uh, has... Uh, so, uh, so, so if you take, since we're on COVID-19, mm. in the letter I wrote to the president, I said that I thought it was a crime that Fauci or no one on there was talking about giving high dose IV vitamin C for those people that were in critical condition. So now there's an, and in fact, Fauci in 2016, he said, well, you know, when there's cold, you know, I do three things to protect myself. I cut my fingernails, I wash my hands, and I take around 1,500 milligrams of vitamin C. He said that, okay? Now, why is vitamin C important? Remember when I said when a virus comes in, let's say you breathe it in, it comes into your lungs, your lungs have these, your lungs are made up of billions of these things called alveoli. They look like little bulbs. Right. So if you have a weakened and dysfunctional immune system, your body the virus goes and settles in those alveoli, your body starts attacking itself and it creates fluid buildup, okay? At that point, the cytokine storm is taking place. One of the most powerful things about vitamin C, it modulates that cytokine storm. There is a chemical called GAPDH, GAPDH. You don't have to worry about it, but that chemical starts going up when you have a cytokine storm. And what vitamin C does, it creates a chemical that goes and shunts that. So vitamin D is very important. It's like shock absorbers for your system. Instead of a storm taking place, it modulates it. That's one thing vitamin C's should have been given to everyone before they put them on ventilators, John and Arena. It was reprehensible because there's so much literature showing high dose. It has to be high dose. In the letter I wrote to the president, I said 100 grams over a day, 24 hour period. Even in the ICU, it's shown to be 10 to uh, 15 grams. There was a ICU doctor who got COVID. Mm -hmm. Now, he probably got it because he was stressed out, right? He probably wasn't eating anything. You know, it wasn't 
he probably had a weakened immune system. Well, within five days, they put him on the ventilator. Within two, after that, they said he was going to die. Finally, his colleagues said, let's do anything to help him. Guess what they gave him in addition to another immunosuppressive drug? They gave him high-dose IV vitamin C, and they saved him. He came out of it within 48 hours. Amazing. So high-dose IV vitamin C in the massive stress conditions is very, very valuable. It's proven. There's thousands of literature written on this. Now, in the normal condition, my view is adults, you know, if you're getting enough oranges or kiwi or amla, which is an Indian fruit, great, but most of us are not, 1,000 to around 1,500 milligrams for, 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 you know, for the adult. And typically that vitamin C should include what's called the bioflavonoids, which are other components which come in with the citrus. So it's not just L-ascorbic acid. No, I would, you know, remember, you, you want to try to get closer to nature as you can. So, um, so some people do liposomal vitamin C, other people mix it with hesperidin. There's all these bioflavonoids. Right. Um, we could do a whole talk on the power of bioflavonoids. With Cytosol recently, we just discovered two bioflavonoids, John and Arena. We, we modeled uh, pain and inflammation on the computer, all the molecular pathways. We've just discovered two bioflavonoids, which come from two natural sources, which reduce inflammation equal or better than things like ibuprofen and Advil all discovered on the computer. So the so bioflavonoids are quite amazing what they can do, you know, at the cellular level. Well, you know, I just want to say to our audience, and we're getting some fantastic uh, audience, His Grace just says 100%. He really is appreciating the the data that you're sharing and, and, and certainly the data about getting into the sun. One of the things I'm very, very worried about, and I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, the Prime Minister here actually sees this broadcast because um, we need to get people, you know, people do feel better when they have a bit of a holiday and the weather here is improving now. Uh, I was very heartened to see all the people on Bournemouth Beach today uh, out and enjoying the sun and ignoring the, uh, we're calling it a lock-up here, not a lockdown. Um, and it is, it's fantastic. But I think when people realise that there's summer holidays, might get cancelled. Mm. I think one of the reasons people like to go off to, you know, lovely places like Magaluf or, um, you know, uh, Costa Brava is a fantastic place. Some of the lovely places in Spain, uh, in the Greek islands and so on and so forth, um, is because they are getting that vitamin boost from the sun and they think it's about swimming in the sea, but of course they just feel better. Feel better. Um, you know, nobody loves building a sandcastle more than I. But, um, you know, it's that vitamin D boost that you're getting. And imagine in this country, if we don't, and as a nation, if we're not allowed to enjoy our summer holidays, it's almost a national right to be able to enjoy your summer holidays. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a hotelier in Cornwall where people come to enjoy their summer holidays. Um, mm. Because I, I really want what's best for people. And I certainly would not put my own needs ahead of the needs of the nation. But I do feel, I do genuinely feel that we need to break the lockdown. Now, this is why it's so important. I'm just going to ask all of you just to share every single person on here. There's over 1,200 people on the feed right now. If everybody could just share this one more time. you Every time you share this, you are helping to break the grip that the deep state has on this planet. The information that Dr. Shiva has given us all here tonight 
is not just information that we need. Everybody in England needs this information. So please share it. It'll be up on YouTube later. We'll tweet it out. We'll do another broadcast of it because it's so important. So please do, please share it. Um, the deep state, or as you call them, the not-so-obvious establishment, um, has frankly nearly crushed the economy of this planet. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking just before the show, you made some very, very interesting observations about some extra uh, uh, observations that you'd well, actually you made since figured, we last spoke. You figured out why it happened. Yeah, you figured out why it's happened. Yeah. I, so, so one of the things I want to share with people is when I put up this book, right, System and Revolution, the reason I shared this with is... Where can they get is, this book? You, you, well, by the way, anyone in the United States, if you support the campaign, if you go to shivaforsenate.com, one of the things I'm doing, John, if anyone gives 25 or more, and if people can't afford $25, whatever they can give, I give this book away, John. And then I also give access to the tool that I created called Your Body, Your System, which came out of 40 years of effort, wow. which is a tool they can understand systems principles. The reason I brought this up is when you understand, in many ways, systems thinking is the science of everything. I know uh, Stephen Hawking tried to write a book on it, but what I'm trying to tell you, the science of everything is system thinking. So if people can understand systems thinking, which I've sort of took me a lot of time to do. I mean, you'd have to take probably four courses at MIT and all sorts of other stuff to get this. But the goal here is, John, if people can understand systems thinking, it gives you a mindset not only to articulate what I just did with the immune system, but also look at any system, mega systems, transportation systems, governmental systems, political systems, you know, immune systems, your computer as a system. It's a fundamental understanding. So if people go to shivaforsenate.com and they donate to the campaign, we send it out to any, everyone who donates. If people are outside of the country, because you can't donate to a U.S. federal campaign if you're outside, we they can go to yourbodyyoursystem.com, yourbodyyoursystem.com. And there they can get access to the tool. And, they, and then we also offer scholarships to people. Some people are in economic distress yeah. and they can get the goal is to get out this fundamental sort of DNA of knowledge out to people. Andrew, the, no. uh, how do we give money when we live abroad? I, there may be a problem. How, how can so you, can't give, you can't give. But what you can do is you can support your body, your system dot com. You know that your body, your system you know, comes to me and then I have the right to donate whatever I want to my campaign. Okay. So your body, your system.com. But the reason I, I wanted to bring this up is, so I take a systems approach. So in March of this year, remember I put out that tweet, which, which basically I said as a MIT PhD in biological engineering who studies immune system, I felt this hoax was really intended to destroy immune, uh, the economy, suppress dissent and to also, um, uh, push mandated vaccines. The refinement that was bugging me was when I said destroy economies, okay? Because some people's economies didn't suffer. I think Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, and Jeff Bezos, they actually, I think uh, uh, Zuckerberg's Facebook's wealth increased by 32 billion during this period, okay? Quite extraordinary, okay? So what did that mean? So when I started unraveling this, I realized something quite interesting. If you if you step back now and you say, yes, some there was economies destroyed, but it wasn't the deep states economies. They did quite well. Mm. It was the economies 
of everyday people who are self-actualized, who take risks, who start businesses, who are, you know, restaurant owners who love their small businesses, gym owners who go out there. And in fact, the deep states hierarchy, the 0.001%, they didn't get affected. Neither did the very, very poor. The two, what I call the two dependent classes in many ways, right? They're actually the dependent classes on the rest of us. Who suffered was the independent class, the independent class of entrepreneurs, business folks, because they weren't allowed to remain open. They, you know, they took the hit. They didn't get in the United States, for example, the 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 lowest end of the workers got paid almost two thousand dollars per month. Right. So what has happened is if you step back, you know, when the Native Americans were put on reservations, what did they do to them? Well, they gave them booze, they gave them alcohol, and they gave them some amount of money just to keep them going. And what I observe here is that, you know, in the United States, go smoke as much cannabis as you want, right? Go the alcohol stores were open and these people got a little bit of money on the dole around 2400. In fact, friends of mine who were running small businesses, they couldn't get anyone to come back to work. People are saying, well, I'm making more money doing this. So in many ways, a dependent class of the 0.001% and the, the slave class, okay, the dependent class was fine. They didn't get hurt. Who got hurt was the real entrepreneurs, the people who create, again, the self-actualized, the rebels, the revolutionaries, people who think differently, people who think out of the box, the creative, the you know, musicians who play, you know, all those kinds of people got crushed. Well, it's interesting to say that because uh, Prince Charles, who is obviously the, 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 to be the future king of England, was in the papers today saying that the arts in this country have been decimated. Things like all oh, yeah. Uh, things like the Royal Ballet, uh, things like the Bolshoi Ballet, because, um, you know, while we are, you know, gripped in this fear programming or whatever the hell it is that has been uh, launched on mm -hmm. this culture, um, you know, imagine trying to put an orchestra together or if you are, let's say, a violinist for the, for the Royal Ballet or for the New mm. York Opera or something like that, what, is your what does your future look like when these people can come along and just shut down life so it's for six months or more. destroying the economy and the culture. It's destroying not only the economy and the culture. And, 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 and John, the people you're talking about are the elite among that, you know, who work very hard to get to, you know, some well, of these roles as well, in the role of play. Well, yeah, but you also have to look at, we had, when I, I just did, you know, we took our, you know, I'm running for, as this, on my Senate campaign, we went to one of the towns a musician came up. I mean, there are many working musicians, people who are not at that at that level, but they actually do weddings um, in this. You know, in the you know they this is their livelihood. It's not like they just play music to be some celebrity. There are many working musicians, working artists. Uh, a lot of my friends, you know, who are working artists, they were devastated. They lost massive amounts of income. And you know, um, at Berkeley School of Music, that's here in Boston, they run a whole program called Music Business. You know, some people are never going to be Mick Jagger, but there's a whole strata of people who run small businesses as musicians, right? Doing top 40, doing weddings, et cetera. They were all crushed. Right, right. So what made me realize was there is a real economy and there's a fake economy. Okay. Not only can the, remember our campaign was only the real Indian last time when we ran against Warren, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. That campaign was really about the lack of integrity that the liberal elite show. But when I also applied here, there's a real economy and there's a fake economy. 
In my view, and if you go beyond Keynesian economics, you know, more, more to the Austrian model of economics, you realize the real economy is I have a skill. Mm -hmm. I know how to bake, right? I know how to create music. I know how to lay bricks. I know how to fix something, right? I know how to run a gym. I'm an entrepreneur. These are real skill sets. I know how to manage people, right? Bring capital and things together to start something. Well, those people are the real generators of creation. They make things. They make something out of nothing, right? That's what I call the real economy. And the transaction that occurs in that economy creates what you call a vibrant market economy. Right. Well, over here, over the last 50, 60 years, we've started creating a fake economy as expressed in the stock market, as expressed what occurred in 2008, when in the United States, all the banks were giving out loans to people who should never have even had a home. Mm -hmm. And then they consolidated those bad debts and they created what are called, you know, uh, things on the stock market, derivatives, and they sold them. It was basically all nonsense. When that came crashing down, the elites did not allow that to completely destroy itself when it should have. If you and I did that kind of stuff, we'd be gone, right? If you didn't run your hotel business right and I didn't run my engineering companies right, I'm, I'm gone. There's no one, there's no mama papa to come rescue me. However, the elites re rescued that business. Obama brought all the bankers in and he cut them a deal. He did what was called quantitative easing. Simply what quantitative easing was, it allowed the Fed to literally print money. In fact, it was worse than that. Imagine logging into your bank account and you only have $10 one day and the next day you have $1,000. It just, out of thin air, they created money. Mm. And that process of quantitative easing literally has kept the fake economy afloat. They have created assets that actually have no value. If you actually look at their balance sheets, it's fictitious value. So that's been going along. And President Trump, in my view, knew about this. And what he was trying to do to the U.S. economy so it wouldn't crash, he was trying to do two fundamental things, which are part of the real economy. One thing was to make sure you bring manufacturing back to the United States. Because without making stuff, what are you? It's just a fake economy. That's one thing he was trying to do. The second thing he was trying to do was to make sure China was not stealing intellectual property. That is real. I, as a creator, make something. Those are real things. Now, what occurred was, if you look back in 2019, September 17th, there's a very interesting graph. One of the measures of the health of an economy is that every day, all the banks in the United States, and this occurs worldwide, they settle their accounts. So, for example, John, if you're running a bank, let's say Irina's running a bank, uh, and I'm running a bank, let's say the Lord, the Grace is running a bank, right? We all are running banks. I'm lending out stuff. You're lending out stuff. According to the U.S. rules, I can lend out up to nine times the actual cash I have in hand. So if I have $1,000 in hand, I can rent, lend out $9,000. Well, let's say at the end of the day, if I, I've actually lent out $18,000. Mm -hmm. What I do at the end of the day is I go to you, you may have more, and I, I get a loan from you to cover my extra $9,000. You follow? This is called the repurchase market. Repurchase agreements are done every day or colloquially known as a repo market. Now, in that market, you may set an interest rate for me. Oh, Shiva will pay me back. I'm not going to charge you some ridiculous interest rate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, guess, and that interest rate was always around 1% to 2%. But in September of 2019, September 17th, guess what that interest rate went to? 10%. And this was a phenomenon everyone tried to poo poo. Mm -hmm. And everyone said, oh, that was because they had to do end of year filings. Right. But fundamentally, it was more than that, it was something deeper. 
the United States, the world economy was going to go crashing down, really, because all of this quantitative easing, in my opinion, was catching up. So 90 days after, and by the way, at that time, what do you also have going on globally? You have massive protests in Hong Kong, massive protests in Venezuela, massive protests in um, in, in uh, France, massive protests in South, all over the world. These were economic protests that, the, that were taking place because the elite's economy was unable to deliver. So in my view, this coronavirus came at a time that was very, very fortuitous for the elites because the only way to stop interest rates from exploding, and why is it important that interest rates don't explode? Because many of the elites, many of the big corporations have massive amounts of debt on their books, General Motors, GE, they have a lot of debt. Now, if the interest rates goes from 1% to 3%, you're going to have to pay more money. The United States, to give you, by way of understanding, owes $22 trillion in debt. 1% interest rate means what? $220 billion. Simple math. Let's say the interest rate goes up to 10%. That means you're going to owe $2.2 trillion on the principal. So the elites do not want the interest rates going up, which they should in a natural economy because there is no real economy. So in order to keep the interest rates low, there's two things you can do. Print vast amounts of money or reduce the demand for money. Okay? Yeah. Well, how do you reduce the demand for money? You shut down the whole you shut down the real economy. That's what they did. And that's why when I was in the North End here, it was one of the most vibrant restaurant centers. I mean, it was so sad to see all these restaurants open. And I realized Oh my God, the people who really are getting affected are the entrepreneurs or the business owners. And that's when I connected the dots. I realized that the deep state wants to destroy small business owners. They want to destroy self-actualized people. They want to destroy rebels because what they are seeking to do is to, the only way for that fake economy to survive is to have a 0.0001% like China and the rest of us being slave workers. Think about this. That's what this is all about. I think you that's spot on, and I think it's the opposite. Yeah, I mean, when this is when I connected this, John. Everything made sense to me because I've been pounding away on the fact that the masks are nonsense because it's like mosquitoes going through a chain link fence. Now, if you if if you're sick in the old model, like your grandmother said, stay at home. Don't go infecting others. Self quarantine. Juice your immune system. This is basic. But having all these people, it's ridiculous wearing masks. It's like two separate worlds. It looks like we're living in some crazy fascist state. Let's just cover masks. So, are, are they healthy or are they unhealthy? What, what's your mom. well? I, I did a if, if people. I did a whole uh, talk a couple of days ago, a video on masks. Look, okay, so there are three, YouTube. They can find it, but simply put, there are three kinds of masks: the cloth masks, the medical masks, and the N95 masks. The cloth masks and the medical, two very important research studies came out saying they don't really do anything, okay? The cloth masks, if anything, are going to cause more infection because of the moisture that they cause. People have 13 times more influenza-like symptoms with the cloth mask than the medical mask, but they don't do much. And furthermore, the particles go right through. Right. If you're going to wear the N95 mask, which does protect... But you can't wear that more than one or two hours, especially if you're prone to headaches. It reduces what's called the gas exchange of CO2 and O2. You're going to get headaches, particularly if you're a healthcare worker. That's who the N95 masks are worn. Pregnant healthcare workers definitely affects them. So I'm saying the masks are 
nonsense in the sense that the virus particles go right through it. They, you know, the, it's like literally a mosquito going through a chain link fence. Now it may make you feel good. It may tell the people where I'm asymptomatic. I don't want to pass it to others. Well, it doesn't really do much of that either, unless you're wearing the N95 mask, which you're going to get other problems for yourself. So when you really add all this up, the whole thing's irrational. The only rational conclusion I've come to was this was precipitated to destroy the real economy because the real economy is becoming a competitor to this fake economy. And the natural conclusion of this is that we they're headed to create an economy that matches China. Mm. A few set of elite people, the rest of us are living like slaves. So the only opposition to that, I keep saying, is a self-actualized it's the revolutionaries, the rebels, people who think out of the box, the small business owners. That's why when I went to Washington to deliver the 104,000 signatures we meticulously gathered from everyone, the only two places I could even eat were McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts. Think about it. Two big mega corporations. Home Depot, one of the big hardware stores. Mega, they were open, not the small guys. So the goal in, in every sector is to create a few mega corporations which are owned by the party, which is what China does. No one in China has a small business, I'm sorry. They're controlled by the state. You get to run a business if, if, if the state deems it. So this is what I think the biggest awakening I've had, John, when you take a systems approach, and in my view, we have about 90 to 120 days. Because in 90 to 120 days, the same racket is gonna occur again in September, October with a new virus coming. But the goal here is the elites have created a unsustainable economic model. It's not based on reality. The real things are the people who get out and take risks and do stuff like you've done, John, when you started your business, like I've done, we create things bottoms up. That's why the, our U.S. Senate campaign is really focused on not only telling people to boost their immune system, but we got to build bottoms up and people who actually create the entrepreneurs, the creators need to unite. Because they've already bought out the poor workers. They'll just, and that's what, so what's, what's happening, the other phenomenon that I, the other systems process is that the liberal elite, who I call the not so obvious establishment, the Democrats, they, if you notice, they always talk about safety, John. This is another insight that we want to protect your child, safety. Well, they've created this entire organization in the U.S. government, which can take away kids from people. It's become a $1.2 trillion foster care organization thriving on separating families. Right. Another safety model, vaccine safety, okay? The people who I've mentioned before in this movement talk about who are actually against us, the Democrats like, you know, the Kennedys. They talk about this. When they mean vaccine safety, they want to create a regulatory body in the government. So what that'll do, so vaccine safety, child safety, trucker safety, you know, you go down every safety. Safety is a red flag meaning they're going to create more regulations on you and I. They're probably going to want to do vitamin D safety, okay, safety. So that will essentially create monopolies of four or three major sector leaders, Facebook, Google, three in, in, in the information space. So the other insight I had is that the, quote, unquote, the establishment Democrats and the establishment Republicans work hand in hand. One pushes safety, which is imposed regulations, which helps create monopolies. And, and the goal is to destroy the small business owner, the entrepreneur, the self-actualized. That's what this is about, John. We're literally at a, at, a, at a very important point in human history that if the self-actualized people, the people bottoms up, 
the independent class do not recognize what I'm sharing with you, it's going to be game, set, match mm. because it's going to create fear and fiction and fascism, not truth, freedom and health, fear, fiction and fascism. And that's literally where we're at. And 2020 is going to be a very important year. We're at a very important inflection point in human history. A very famous anthropologist said when he looked at nearly 20 different centuries, he noticed the first 20 years is it's de determined the trajectory of that entire century, whether it'll go into a golden age or whether it'll go into the dark ages. And what I'm sharing with you today, I haven't articulated this. I, I did it in a previous talk, but connecting all this together, the people who create, the creators, the independent-minded mi people, the entrepreneurs need to unite because we're literally looking at executing the Chinese model of a few quote-unquote enlightened people, a few mega corporations on us, and the goal is to make people slaves. That's what this is about, John. That makes period. That makes total that makes sense. complete sense. Arena, you have a couple of uh, questions. Well, well, what you could you please tell? You know, you said we have ninety to um, hundred and twenty days. Yeah, the reason I say the ninety to one hundred and twenty days is because you know the winter season starts coming in September, October, right? That's when the next they're going to say the secondary wave comes. They're working on vaccines. That's that will be the next wave of fear, and the only way to overcome fear is with truth and and light right what we just shared what i just shared here today is a hopefully people are understanding we, number one truth is the immune system is the operating system of our body let's all independently learn how to boost it if people want me to do more videos on it if people want me to talk about different herbs i can with the technology i have i can do videos all day we can talk about oregano oil and this and that but people have got to understand that they need to take control of their health food is medicine and who we elect into office, if they're dirtying our water, dirtying our food supply, dirty, they are basically working with the enemy. They want to destroy our food supply. Big, you know, four major meatpacking industries now control the United States. We should have local farmers. We've destroyed the small butcher. Two companies are owned by the U.S., one by Chinese, one by Brazil. Everything is becoming big. And when everything becomes big, that is when you have control and you have inefficiencies and everything regresses to the mean. Right. We're not talking about individualized medicine. What you need, Arena, may be different than what I need. Right. Maybe you should eat, you know, organic grass fed certain foods and I should eat, you know, more fit. Right. So when we start making everything big, everything is packaged foods, one size fits all medicine, one size fits all agriculture. And that is a Chinese model. That is the deep state model of a few people. You know, by the way, those few people, I'm sure Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton are making sure they're getting for their kids organic food. OK. And what can people, what can regular people do? I, I, well, regular people mean working people. I think every, everyone view our views, working people. I, I, I think everyone should do number one is to recognize the interconnection between truth, freedom and health. Those are not. So the first thing is awareness. When I came up with those words, arena, they're not meant to be some campaign slogan right. behind that is a systems approach. We must fight for freedom because without freedom, the freedom to debate, to think, the freedom, the fact is that we have four major, five major companies who own the entire communications platform, Google, Facebook, AT&T, Verizon, and Vodafone. We must fight for the postal service in all of our countries to give us a digital platform. I can talk, talk about that more, but we must have freedom because without freedom, we're always going to be subject to fake science because with freedom, we can exercise the scientific method and get to truth.
And with truth, we can identify real problems and real solutions for our health. And with health, we can be strong enough to fight for freedom. So people need to understand you can't just be a yoga teacher on your own and thinking you're taking care of your health. You can't be hiding there. You can't just be someone fighting for the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, right? You can't be just someone, a little nerd scientist. All these things are interrelated. That's number one. Number two, people need to take that awareness, recognize that they need to take care of their own health. They need to fight for their own health. It's not just going to happen. It's not like Voltaire said, everyone should have their own little garden. We're beyond those days, okay? We're at a point in human history where we're all interconnected. So this has to be a bottoms up um, recognition that we're all interconnected, but we all have to take responsibility for our health, boost your immune system. And when you follow that path, Irina, you'll find out all the people get in your way of that, mm. of boosting your immune system. And the third thing that we need to do is to start looking at who are our leaders. Are our leaders people who came bottoms up? Do they actually understand science and engineering? Can they fix anything? Or are they these lawyer lobbyist fools, frankly? 70% of the US Congress is lawyer lobbyists which is, by the way, a percentage that's the highest in the Western world. The next uh, country is Argentina, which, by the way, has the worst economy, one of the worst, a lot of good people. If you look at the correlation between lawyer, lobbyists and governance and the destruction of those economies, you'll see a direct correlation. We need to have people like us who create and produce in governance and get in and get out. Right. This should not be a lifelong pursuit. These are the three things people need to do right away. That's why I believe 2020 is going to be one of the most extraordinary moments in human history for this century and for many centuries to come. Because what you have is we can go to the dark ages. It doesn't mean good overcomes evil. Everyone thinks that's true. It's not. It's not true. Evil can overcome good if good doesn't organize itself. 100%. And, yeah. And his grace is asking... Uh, your opinion where COVID-19 came from, Dr. Shiva? What's that? Where did COVID-19 come from? Yeah, look, um, if you think about the deep state as an organization, which goes beyond nations, right? Which goes beyond cities, right? Um, there are many, many theories of where it came from. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, uh, what I can tell you from a, as a biological engineer, is that this virus, Unlike the SARS virus, which was a coronavirus, unlike the MERS virus, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome virus, which was a cousin of this virus, um, that ha those viruses didn't have as broad as an infectivity rate. Right. This one had a much higher infection rate. And some people have argued that the spike protein, remember that protein that I said that sticks into, that protein uh, may have been engineered to have a much higher infectivity rate. And some people have theorized that. I haven't had a chance to think about that. But if you think about it, if you step back and you don't think about it just as a virus or media, but the term I put out there about a couple of months ago is called biomedia warfare. So you use biology and media. Right. But the intent of this was to bring it together to destroy the economy, right? So if you think about it that way, the virus was created to have a high infectivity rate and media would disperse it also. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's sort of a double, I don't, it's not a double entendre, but it's a double effect. I think you've, you've, you've actually just touched on something that I did want you to talk to, because I look around at my fellow citizens and I feel that they are as if, the, it's as if they've been hypnotized. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, they, two, two things I've noticed. One is, is that they're just very obedient 
and they've accepted the lockup, um, you know, like just sort of willing slaves. And the other thing that I've noticed is that they cannot listen, even if you sit them down and you explain exactly, you know, what is going on. They find it very, very hard to break out of that mental construct. Now, you, you are somebody, you're a spiritual man. Um, you have been one of the leaders, and I just want to acknowledge, I saw the tweet that you put out uh, in relation to adrenochrome harvesting or adrenochrome manufacture and a call to bring attention to that. So I want to acknowledge that this was amazing that you had the courage to do that. But my thing is, is what you've just said about the, 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 the media mm. and, and how these psycho tools of like, it's almost like a psychological warfare and the general public just doesn't, isn't aware that this being done. Mm. Now, is this just me being crazy or have you observed from your own perspective that the media is actually using a form of weaponry against its own citizens. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, John. You know, I, I live here in a town called Belmont, Mass. I can see the town from here, you know, and I've been working away during this period, right? And I wasn't even uh, going out that much, you know? And about th three, three weeks ago, I started going out and I saw all these people in masks mm. driving through Harvard Square. And I was like, shocked. It looked like a dystopian world. Yeah. I mean, I've been absolutely shocked. And in some ways, I give kudos to the deep state for having pulled this off. Oh, yeah. Okay? You've got to give them credit. And, yeah, you have to give them credit. Now, you know, in, the, in many, many different scriptures or many, many different texts, like in the Hindu texts, you know, um, they, they have different ages of the earth. They call this period of the earth the Kali Yuga, K-A-L-I Yuga, which means the age of darkness. And they and they and it has a certain period, but it, within the Kali Yuga is also the Golden Age. But one of the interesting things in the Kali Yuga, they say the two phenomena will be occurring in the same time. Mm -hmm. Massive amounts of lies will be presented as truth. Truth will be presented as lies. But such in a such a diametrically opposed uh, way that it'll be so there'll be people who get it and the people who are within the darkness. Like both will be occurring. So on one sense, it'll be the greatest opportunity. It'll be the greatest time of darkness, but it'll also be the greatest opportunity for enlightenment. And that's where I see we're standing on. It's it's there's no gray area anymore. It's like black and white. When we had our we had you know we we put out a small thing. Plymouth, Massachusetts is where you know the Mayflower first landed. Plymouth Rock, and I literally put out a little notice. I'll be bringing the bus down, and about 50 people showed up out of nowhere. That's a lot of people for within six hours in the time of a lockdown. None of us wore masks. None of us. It was great. I mean, there's a little video of it up there, you know, on my Twitter feed. But you, uh, what I see is two worlds going on. This one world of people falling in line, and this other world of people not falling in line. I mean, there's not even a middle ground. And the world that does not fall in line, they're the self-actualized people. They're the people who actually create stuff. They're the people who have actually suffered. This other group of people are many ways of vulnerable, educated elites. As my friend Dick Lindzen, you know, who, who, who um, was a professor at MIT and he talked about the whole climate change nonsense, right? It's these people 
who basically uh, believe they're educated, but they're really pretty stupid. The good advantage, the, the advantage we have, it, what I've seen is people who work with their hands, the entrepreneurs, they still have a lot of common sense. In my view, we don't need to go fight the 30% John, who are basically resistors. Price Pritchett, the great organizational theorist, he said that in any society, in any org organism, organization, you have three types of people, the resistors, the fence sitters, and the change agents. And what his analysis showed it was always 30, 50, 20, 30% resistors, 50% fence sitters are watching which way the world goes, and 20% of people are the change agents. What I believe the order of the day now is to organize the 20% because that 20% is like a magnet that can bring the other 50% over. We frankly do not have time to even fight with these, these, the resistors. They're not worth it. They're already, as you say, zombified. But the, the reality is if the 20% don't organize, we're going to see more of a zombie effect of the among 50. And that's literally where we're at right now. Because once you give up freedom, once you get compelled by this fear, it, it's almost like a testing ground. You can, it's almost burned into the brain. You can bring up that memory again and again and again. So Bill Gates, remember, he built software. I've built software. One of the things that happens when you build software, John and Arena, is that two things happen. You know, or, or three, software is always released in a three, released in a three-part process. I make a piece of software. First thing I do is what's called alpha testing. I get a few people together and I test it with them. That's what they did, whatever was the event 2020, I think that's what it was called. Right. That was the alpha test. Then I deployed in what's called a beta test. I get more users. That's what I believe this was. And then you go to the gold release, okay? Um, and the system that they're working on is our immune system and our psychological system. And so I, I agree with you, John. I think when I look at, I mean, who would have believed in 90 days? You'd have people wearing around masks and attacking other people like lunatics who don't wear it. Did you see that woman in the supermarket being attacked? Yeah. Being chased in yeah. the supermarket for not wearing a mask? Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. So, but basically, and this is something that His Grace and I have discussed. So, what we've actually experienced so far is the beta test. Beta test. Next will be gold release. So, so the next is the gold release. And that's where they really fucking take us out. So exactly. So, so this is why all of us here, and I really appreciate we've got record numbers on, on yes, the broadcast. Yes, you broke the record. You've broken the record. But what I'd like you to do now, break. <coughs> well, we need we need to break something else. Let's break the next record. <laughs> Let's break our record again tonight. Every single person on here, and there's over fourteen hundred people live on the feed at the moment. Please find somebody to share this with and share this like hell because what dr shiva has just said is that what we've all experienced and this is something that his grace the duke of marlborough and i have discussed correct me if i'm wrong jamie we all said this is the first wave you ain't seen anything yet and as weird as this is you're going to be something even weirder this year you're going to see something even stranger happening this year and we have discussed this unless at length. we do something unless the freedom fighters actually and the change agents mm -hmm. and the pioneers and the people that are not worried about what their bloody neighbors think right 
with respect to our neighbors who are all one. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think, John, I think it's fundamentally coming down to people who are self-actualized. Look, um, you start a business, right? When I was at MIT in 1993, you know, I was a graduate student starting my PhD. I had just won this award uh, that the White House sponsored to automatically analyze email, right? And I left MIT to go start a business. And everyone said, man, you should never leave MIT. Oh, my God, it took you so long to get in there. You're in the PhD. I mean, very few people get an opportunity. Well, well, I left, right? But that was the entrepreneur in me. You don't listen to what others say. You go do what's, what your gut says. Mm -hmm. So that spirit is what I believe is a defining moment of being a human being. Now, there's a, I don't have the book here. There's Clive, you know, who is it? Robert Clive, who came to India. Now, Clive came in to India as a bookkeeper in the East India Company, ended up becoming the emperor of India. And I give him kudos for that. How did he do that? What Clive did was, if you look at his whole life, it was one singular word to find him, courage. He kept doing these things that no one else would do. You know, and so it's courage, I think, is one of the most defining moments here. And it's the confounding variable that people can never model in a computer program. People call data big data. Well, you cannot model courage. It doesn't, you can't model it. You can't predict what will happen with courage. So I think we're at that point, the real entrepreneurs, the real self-actualized people need to recognize that truth is on our side. And one of the things I've started to do, do John, is because the whole uh, you know, concept of truth, freedom, and health has gone global. So I have decided that we're going to start, I believe what we need is we need systems revolutionaries globally. People need to understand this knowledge of system thinking. And we want to have all over the world, in every village, every town, people starting to understand systems thinking. Because you have to have the right weaponry. Look, when we used to burn wood, remember? One second, I just yeah. you just one second. Because I tell you who has just joined the field, the, the feed is Penny Atwell Jones, who began. She is a great freedom fighter from Florida. She started all the Trump driving rallies, and she's just started these boat rallies. Have you seen all the people going out in their boat? Yeah, it's awesome. Fantastic. Great job, Penny. And if ever yeah. you go to Clearwater in Florida, she is an extraordinary Trump train, loyal to the president like you cannot even begin to imagine. Penny, welcome to Camelot Castle TV Network. She is a legend within the Trump Twitter sphere, within the Trump social media sphere. She's Penny very much loved Jones, by the family. And she is loved by President Trump. And she is on here and she is watching you. Um, what we're talking about, Penny, is the fact that we have to rally the freedom fighters and get the change makers basically playing the game to the fullest extent. Penny, by the way, has personally raised hundreds of millions of dollars for philanthropic causes. And I am very, very glad that she is with us, but carry on. And what did she say about the masks? Oh yeah, what she said, she said, in LA, you get fined one grand fine, no mask, Boston, 300 pound fine. Dollars. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And you have to understand, these people who, the, the governor of Massachusetts, quote unquote a Republican, on 2016, when he was going to vote, he said, I'm not going to vote for Trump. He's a Republican. His mentor, Bill Weld, quote unquote Republican, ran against the president in the, in the primary and 
also has endorsed my opponent, the Kennedy. Okay, so this is a state of what we call Republic, quote unquote, Republicans in Massachusetts. They're not Trumpers. They have huge disdain for the president here. That's but however, our movement, if Penny's listening for truth, freedom and health, our campaign is true to the president. He just said, I'm with you. Good. She's listening. She's 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 with us. And Penny, if you could go to uh, the Shiva for Senate, imagine, Penny, and you will understand the importance of this. Dr. Shiva, if he wins the Senate in Massachusetts, Massachusetts is the epicenter of psychiatry on the planet. This is where this, it's a psychiatric nest. Yeah. It's a nest of big pharma corruption. And we've got to get behind this guy. He's a fantastic guy, Penny. I'll introduce Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think, John, what you said is interesting. I find myself like God, you know, I believe in God, put me in Massachusetts to be behind enemy lines and blow up the deep state. In many ways, Massachusetts, not in many ways, it is the center of the deep state. Literally behind my backyard, you know what's there? Hmm. McLean Hospital, which is, a, which is a number one psychiatric where they test all these drugs right here. And over there, I can see his Harvard Medical School, right? So when you look at globally, the, you know, thought is what creates action, right? The center of the deep state's thought creators are here. They're the ones who architect the thought that eventually becomes global action. And that's centered here. The Harvard School of Public Health now was funded by the T.F. Chan family, which is a big Chinese family from China. So public health policy is governed by China, in my view. I hope, and I hope you're hearing this. Yeah. So you have AMC Theaters is owned by a Chinese warlord. We have had so much infiltration that has taken place. In many ways, I, I feel that our country in the United States is being colonized by China. Right. And it's time we start really looking at this head on. And that Colin, I mean, John Boehner is a lobbyist for China. Mm. Okay. Former, quote unquote, head of the house. So we better wake up very fast because what's happening is that there are two economies running this fake economy, fascism, along with people the real Americans, we, that's why if you started seeing my interviews, I did when I'm on the road, I call them real Americans. Mm -hmm. They're the real Americans who get up every day, still believe in the values of this country, take risks. They're the ones who open up businesses every day, not knowing if they can make a paycheck, but they go out there and they do it. Mm -hmm. They create things like the founders of this country did. And the president right now is surrounded by sharks. He, in my view, the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump did something extraordinary. He was a disruptive force against both establishments. And for me, I don't even care if he passed any bill, John. He's already done his duty for humankind. Mm -hmm. So now it's up to us to follow in suit, bottoms up, because he can't do everything without a massive movement of those same uh, people who believe in truth, freedom, and health coming. And those people, I'm convinced, are not the low-end workers or the super you know, elite, right? The Goldman Sachs guys. They are the people who actually you know, have skin in the game. Absolutely. And those people, I, I believe there's enough of them, at least 20% of them, those people need to be galvanized into a movement. Well, And that's what we're trying to do with this whole movement for truth, freedom, and health. So our campaign in Massachusetts, Penny, is not just me running for U.S. Senate. I don't need to do it just like the president didn't need, need to do this. I'm doing it because I love the United States and I have a deep, 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 uh, you know, uh, anathema, you know, against mm. the 
the people who, who are for darkness, who don't want to let the human spirit thrive. And that's what's going on. That's China. And those people who support China are traitors to humankind, the Chinese Communist Party, to be specific. That's what we're witnessing right before our eyes. We are. And um, His Grace the Duke of Marlborough has just said, congratulations, Penny. And I can tell you, Your Grace, she is worth, she is a formidable She's campaigner. She's a force of nature. She's a force of nature. She's raised hundreds of millions for philanthropic causes. And she is a great champion for the human spirit. Everybody should follow Penny Atwell Jones on Facebook. She has an extraordinary following already. She flipped Pinellas County mm -hmm. for the president. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm. basically, um, she is followed by some of the great opinion leaders uh, in America. And um, what I would say is, is this, um, it's great that you're on here, Penny. Um, I think the point you've made about um, igniting the entrepreneurial class You know, it was the entrepreneurial class that made America. It was the entrepreneurial class, frankly, that made England great. Um, it, it's, it, it is, we, we have got to connect with that great spiritual power. And as you, there was something you said that I, that just clicked. I don't know if anybody else noticed. You said they haven't worked out the metrics for courage yet. Yes. And I thought that was genius. That was genius. Because that... Yeah, Carl, yeah I mean, I do, you know, John, I do a lot of stuff in mathematics and data analytics, but courage is not something anyone can model. There are certain events in life that you cannot simply model, and courage is one of those things. Um, and that's what's profound about courage, because that's what this country is built on. Every major uh, transition in human history that was positive, that led to the golden age or to the expansion of truth, freedom and health was always because of courage. And that's what we're under. Are we going to succumb to fear? I don't care if 80%, 90% of the pe these people want to wear masks all day. It's nonsense. But the other 20% should fight against it because we're literally headed towards the loss of liberty the way this is going. So we have, in my view, we have not, nothing to lose at this point. Well, that's very good. Um, Penny says she's actually been following you. So you're already... Um And as uh, she said, Dr. Shiva, please contact me. John has all my contact data. I will introduce you personally after the show. And, um, yeah, it's very, very... His Grace the Duke of Marlborough says, this is God's calling for you, Dr. Shiva. Could you, could you, you know, we do have a number of spiritually enlightened and actualized beings as part of this broadcast When we spoke before and when we've spoken privately, you, you have spoken to your spirituality. I think people on here would find it interesting. And um, if they're going to get behind you in a, in a campaign, I think it's interesting for people to hear about that. Um, we're not shy here. What what, what do you feel your, your, your connection is here in a way? Um, Could, could you? Yeah, John. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I think I, let me, I'll share what I shared with you. You know, I grew up in some very interesting circumstances. When I was a child, you know, I grew up in, in India. I came to the United States when I was around seven, but I grew up um, in two worlds, even within India, in Bombay, which is a very eclectic, you know, city of city within cities. Mm. 
But then in the in the about a 30 percent of my, my life was spent in a small village in deep South India, which had no electricity, you know, no running water where my grandparents were poor farmers. But um, my not only did I have a chance to have my grandparents, but also my great grandfather. OK. And what I remember him, the, 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 the most powerful memory I have him, John, is this 93 year old man in the fields, ripped muscle working physically fit. Okay, but he was an extraordinary man. He had left for India when he was 12 years old. He left for Burma in the late 1800s, early 1900s. In those days, people went to Burma to make their fortune. So he was a 12 year old, 13 year old boy. His family was I mean, there were tribals, you know, living on the um, eating, you know, basically eating whatever they could get. They were think about tribals, right? Indigenous tribals. So he somehow got he wasn't able to get money to take a ship over to Burma. So he ended up becoming an uh, an indentured servant, which is where you work you you got this um, you you got to work on the ship and you had to work your way off. Anyway, he worked so hard, John and Irina, that the slave ship captain said, "You know what? I've never seen someone as extraordinary as you." He let him off of his bond, you know, the bondage they had for three years. Really? So he ends up in Burma, and Burma was known for two things, um, as my dad would say, uh, Buddhism and cobras, okay? The preponderance of both of them. You could not get away without seeing a, a, a Buddhist stupa, you know, a temple or cobras everywhere. So my uh, grandfather was born there and my father was born there. But my great grandfather was an extraordinary person. He did whatever he could do. He ended up becoming a very wealthy person in Burma. But he also became what was called a shaman. You know, he, um, he would practice all those interesting spiritual arts. You know, he had a deep, deep devotion to God. Mm-hmm. And in, and in uh, World War II hits Burma, if you remember, where Burma was the center between the allies and the Japanese. And they lose everything. And my great-grandfather, you know, decides that they, they should come back to India. He People were taking... Essentially, the way they were used to come back to Burma was going up through walking back through Assam. And he had a dream because he was a meditator and he had a, he used to pray and do all these penances that that was not the way to go. So they walked and they took the boat back and they come back to India. Anyway, he he would say, I had everything. I lost everything. You know, I, I had nothing lost, made everything, lost everything. And he said, you could judge the character of the person of their tenor of who they were based on the ups and downs in life. But the reason I shared that story was that I was brought up under this really deeply spiritual thing that it may be hard for people to comprehend, where my great-grandfather would channel uh, spirits, you know? My grandmother, who was a healer, would also do the same thing. So, you know, this people talk about in this new age world, but I grew up in this wonderful world where was I, was, I, I, I learned how to meditate when I was around three or four years old, learned how to connect uh, with a deep, what's called bhakti, um, the bhakti model, which was you use your heart to connect to God directly. But in my grandmother's home were not just the pictures of Shiva or the great Indian deities, but of Christ. So in the Indian system, we view Christ actually as the son of God. He, it's not, you know, Hinduism, a very disorganized religion. So I grew up with a great, great reverence to two things, this deep devotion to that life was very special. And that also the great reverence to these everyday working people who had nothing but had everything. So when I was 12 years old, John, when I went back to came to the United States in 1970, went back, I had this extraordinary realization that I was leaving the train station to go back to the United States. You know, in those days, they had the old caboose trains and my grandparents barefooted, you know, 
with very little came to see me and we and they were deeply crying for me because of this immense love and I crying for them. And I realized that if I didn't do something, John, something uh, productive with my life, that I'd be a parasite. So this 12 year old kid decided in that moment that I would do something to not only alleviate their suffering, but also the suffering of the working class people I grew up in New Jersey. And I still remember that moment. So I made it was a deeply spiritual thing that went right through my essence of who I was. But for me, my spiritual thing is deeply connected to those people who are basically the most extraordinary people I've ever seen. Immense love, which was always there and people who had a direct connection to God. So I used to meditate, John, regularly. So, you know, what they talk about, some of these experiences people have had, I've had all of them. You know, I've, I know for a fact in my own experience that this life, this physical body is not everything. Mm. So I can't, I'm not going to talk a lot about those experiences because they're very personal, but I know for a fact that this is not it mm -hmm. and that life is meant to be about service and, and it's about executing our duty here. Each one of us, I think, has a unique role. But I do know that at a very deeply spiritual level that um, I, I was very, very, um, you know, uh, fortunate to get all of this, you know. And to give you an idea, I didn't even know about MIT until two weeks before I applied. I went to a school, which I was, me and my sister were the only two Indians. This was in the 1970s. There were very few people of India here in a school of predominantly all um, Jewish people, very smart people, and me and my sister were the only two out of 4,000 kids. I graduated one or two out of that class, but no one told me about MIT. My mother, my dear mother, had helped these two women who basically were thrown out of their homes, um, and they didn't have a place to stay. She said they could stay with us, and one of them had a friend who came over, and he said, hey, you should apply to this place called MIT. It was very fortuitous. The application was due two weeks before that. And I said, what is that? And he showed me the, the form and it had the MIT dome. And I said, wow, that looks like a mental institute. It was called the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And I had no interest in going. And I wanted to be, believe it or not, I, have a, I do a lot of art. I also have a degree in art. I wanted to do art and design because I had built the first email system when I was a kid. I was done doing technology, believe it or not, by the time I was 17. So he wouldn't leave my home. Eventually I took out a pencil and I filled out the form, got accepted to MIT. And when I came to visit, I was really shaken by how unhealthy most of these students looked because I was in athletics. I played sports and I said, there's no way I'm going here. OK, this place looks completely unhealthy. And then my high school teacher who was in the Holocaust, she was actually she had the things on her. She was my physics teacher. And she said, no, 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 you should go because forget MIT. Boston is the Athens of the world. You'll meet all these people. So if it wasn't those circumstances, John, I would have never gotten here. And after I got here, that's when I realized that I would get as many of the weapons of the establishment as possible so I could one day fight them. And I haven't shared this with a lot of people, John. So that so I feel like there is a deep spirit that moves all of us. But I know that my life has been moved by that. And the more I am in connection with that and do that, which changes from day to day, is then when I'm serving, if I try to overthink it, it never, you know, it always takes you off course. Mm. But I can tell you that Boston was meant to be the Athens of the world, right? But it's become the center of the deep state. Mm. And I think that my coming here, learning all of this, 
and, and, you know, particularly meeting people like you and others is not anything coincidental. And particularly the fact that, you know, the COVID crisis takes place and I'm poised to talk about it, articulate about it as some, some of the guy, one of the leading guys who knows the immune system has studied this. And, you know, so all of it is almost converged John, in a very beautiful way. But I, I do know that this is a fight and it is a struggle and nothing is going to be given to us. That's what my grandparents taught me. And that's what I think history teaches, that you have to fight for things. But I have a deep, deep reverence on a spiritual level uh, to the message of Christ and what he actually stood for. Mm. And I, I think... Um, we, 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 sorry, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think the message of Christ uh, goes beyond the physical world, but his alignment... I mean, if you look at the life of Christ, which I've studied very carefully in many ways, it's not just a spiritual life, but it, there was no... Um, uh, hypocrisy. Mm. What he said is what he practiced. You know, there was a complete al uh, 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 alignment. And that's what I think makes the life of Christ so powerful. And I think one of the biggest symbols that Christ, many of the Christian preachers do not want to talk about is when he takes a whip and he whips out the bankers or whatever, the traders out of the temple. You know, that very particular event, very few Christians want to talk about. But to me, that event defines Christianity. I agree. Yes. It, the crucifixion is an important part of it, the resurrection. But I think that moment defines something. And, and he was fighting not only the establishment, the Romans, but the not so obvious establishment, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who talked about God, you know, had all the lingo. Like you talked about it at the beginning of this meeting. After I came out against Fire Fauci, you saw a whole bunch of plagiarists start coming. Mm. And these people are part of the not so obvious establishment. They... I want, um, you know, Mr. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy is openly says I'm pro-vaccine. He wants to retain the legacy of the Kennedy clan, which is to regulate vaccines. And I've hit him hard because he is part of the deep state. He is the not so obvious establishment. And the establishment is very, very powerful. They not only have the obvious examples of the Fauci's and the uh, and the Gates, but they also have the not so obvious versions of them, the Bernie Sanders, the Kennedys, et cetera, who talk a good game and essentially corral people to their to their destruction. And the fact of that is Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates are tied at the hip. You know, I, I expose both of them left and right. Mr. Kennedy didn't because he endorsed Hillary Clinton three times. And now he's running around doing all this stuff and he's got his little proxies doing that. But the bottom line is we have to wake up to recognize that truth is truth is truth. You can't rationalize hypocritical behavior. It's aligned end to end. And that's what the message of Christ tells me. Christ was very clear. I mean, he ex the biggest people he attacked, John, was not the Romans, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the not so obvious establishment. It is the Kennedys. It is the Clintons. It is the those people who talk a good game but lead people into the slaughterhouse. Those are the people we need to expose because those are the people, generation after generation, they prolong human suffering because they never offer the real solution. They offer a fake solution. Yes. That's completely correct. Completely correct. And what they do is they hide in the confusion. And they create confusion. They create, they create confusion. They don't want bottoms up. That's why when I'm coming bottoms up, I don't come from any name. I come from nothing. They come from something and they think they will own movements. They think they're the ones who can hijack movements. Well, you, you, it's and this is the, this is the point that we're at. We, we have a huge chance of a spiritual awakening. And I think God watches all of this. 
And frankly, he watches the decisions that each individual wants to make. Will that individual choose a path of light and courage, say what needs to be done without any fear to any of these celebrities and those people, or will they choose a path of darkness while they'll stay in quiet? Well, I agree what Shiva says, but I'm not going to say that. That is a path of darkness. Well, it's coming to you. I know a lot of celebrities, and I'll tell you this. I am ashamed by some of their silence on Mm. this matter. I'm absolutely ashamed. And um, somebody sent me something yesterday, and I sent it on to our friends in the White House. And it said, when all this is over, Mm. uh, we will remember not the voices of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Wow, that says it all. Well, it really doesn't say it all. And frankly, um, there are people that I know that frankly have got way more than enough intelligence to spot what the deep state are doing. They claim to be spiritual people. But Mm. frankly, they might as well be Trappist monks, Mm. monks that are sworn to a vow of silence because they are not using their voices. And, you know, I think what you've pointed out is what we've seen so far with COVID is a beta test. It's a Mm. beta test. And the golden, what did you call it? The golden version or the... The gold release. I mean, we said, when I used to build software, we do the alpha test. Yeah. Then you beta. This is standard software release. And that's what Gates and his clan are, by the way, Gates and, and, and all of them are involved in this. The not so obvious establishment and the obvious establishment. They're all part of this. Yeah. They're all part of this. Well, and they want to regulate. They want to impose regulations. They're all part of this, John. One big deep state clan. You're absolutely cl- right. They are part of it. And their silence and those celebrities out there that are being silent, there is so much information that is so easily available. I yeah. mean, listen, Amazing. we started doing this little broadcast from our home. And on the first night, there were 20 people. And I just thought, you know what? I've just had enough. I'm just going to start communicating. And then a few people. And now, of course, it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people will see this broadcast by the time we've put it out on all of our platforms and you put it. But you know what? There are celebrities that I know in Hollywood that if they were to use their voice Mm -hmm. and have a little bit of courage Mm -hmm. and a little bit of balls and not just worry about whether or not they were going to make a movie again, Mm -hmm. right? They could bring a stop to this mandatory vaccination (laughs) bullshit Overnight, mm-hmm. overnight. But John, John, you have to understand. Once, once you understand the physics of this, you realize that they're never going to do it. The the physics of this is there's the independent class of people who built stuff on their own, and there's a dependent class. Remember, in Hollywood, there's two types of people: a very small minority who actually have real skills, mm-hmm. who actually can. They they'll go to theater, they'll do whatever because they are real artists. A majority of them are celebrities. Difference. Okay, who were the right person at the right time. They're very insecure. They know they got lucky. Okay, and I know a lot of these people. Okay, you know them. So deep down, they don't have a sense of themselves. The true artist does. That's why the only people we can trust are the people who have a history of standing up on their own two feet, taking hits, making mistakes and coming back. These people are a dependent class. They're no different than slaves. They're basically have golden handcuffs. And there are, frankly, they're they're, they're never going to be with us. They'll maybe say something. Maybe they'll do an ad if if, if they can define their relevance at a certain point in time, if it helps them get a gig, okay, or it helps them get a commercial. But they're not going to do anything because at the end of it, 
they do not have a sense of self because they gave that out a long time ago when they decided to be a celebrity versus a true artist. Yeah. Because if they wanted to be an artist, they would have put their time in and learned their chops. They Many of them got lucky or they slept with the right person. Mm. Okay? Mm. That's what really happened. We know that. They do not have the chops. That's what's happened in academia. Academia is now the oldest profession. There are the real scientists who work hard and then the academics who basically it's pay to play. They're not that great. And they just happen to be the right, they know how to play the game and to get to some point. And those are the people who say, yes, climate change is occurring or, you know, CO2 is a pollutant. Yes, we need to give, they'll do whatever it takes to maintain their position of power. And then there are the real scientists. That's why ultimately I think we, the only people we can trust is people who have a, uh, a, a connection to something beyond themselves and who actually have real skills. Well, Otherwise, they are dependent. They're a dependent class. They're sucking off something that they need. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you're so right. Funnily enough, we do have a, uh, a celebrity who is on the feed, who does have courage, Hilda van der Moelen, who is uh, Miss Holland, a great beauty. And she says, thankful oh, okay. spirits like Shiva on this planet. And she thanked you earlier for telling your story. She is somebody uh, that has courage. Uh, or the female equivalent of balls, whatever they call that. Um, uh, the female mojo, whatever they call that. And yeah. uh, she um, basically has been a friend and she is always putting her head above the parapet. So there are one or two. Of course, there are exceptions. But of course, you can see it. And what people forget is most actors, for instance, with spheres of influence, they're reading somebody else's words from a script. Somebody else wrote that script. They didn't write it. And you know, there is very, very little original thought. Mm. And what I want to acknowledge you for, Dr. Shiva, is you were the one that called out Fauci. Mm -hmm. You were. Nobody can take that away from you. And people attacking you for doing that need to have a jolly good self-inspection because basically, well, let's just put it this way, they're all working for you now anyway because you led the charge. Mm. And that is the truth of the matter. And you did do that. And in doing that, what you did is you took a great big bloody needle mm. and you burst the most filthy boil mm. on this mm. planet. Mm. And sure, it splattered everywhere. And sure, they had a go at you. But you know what? You actually look better for it. You look younger than when I last spoke to you. Mm. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're winning through all this. You're probably, you're probably having a laugh with it all, really. Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing, John, is let me tell you why credit on something like this matters not to me but people need to start recognizing where does that thought form come from that's right and and the reason that's important because that'll help people distinguish the real from the fake mm -hmm. well and the reason it came from me was because um of the entire origin that you know i represent in many ways working people you know people who came from nothing people have a connection to god and that thought to attack Fauci would not have come if it wasn't for that entire background that I come from, which is people are willing to stand up on their feet. Money was not the motivator. It was about truth and freedom and health, those three things. So when you would come to a point in life where you realize that this physical body is not it, that and you ask yourself, what does it mean to be a human being? The where that leads you to is a point of recognizing that you must always tell the truth and you must be a fighter and a warrior 
because the purpose, I believe, of human existence is to bring the light into the world. And at any point, we are in many ways co-creators with God. And I think the test here is, do we want to be part of that co-creation process or do we want to succumb from that you know, or, or surrender to something else? And that process, once you're on it, is an extraordinary process because you get to essentially be a conduit for something and you, you basically get to grow in a way that you get to learn, teach and serve. And that's what this is about. And I, I think that's what this is ultimately about to being, that's why, you know, I keep saying, you know, be the light. Yesterday I gave, gave a talk and I said, what is the first step to being the light? The first step is to make a conscious decision of what your goal is of being here or of any moment in time. What is the goal? If people don't have a goal or a mission, it's very easy to be misled in every different direction. And that's, I think, what these mask wearing people are. They don't have any goals. They don't know what they're here for. They have a sense of life, which is their physical life. That's it. And, and that physical life purpose can mislead them into fear. And I think those people, I bet you if you took most of those people who don't wear masks, Johns, or have, I bet you you'll find out many of those people have a different spiritual view of life and existence. Well, they're probably scared of death or something of that nature. Or That's what I'm trying to say. There's, yeah, there's a fear of death. And, and I'm talking about also the people who have figured this out. And I think that power is what we need to unite people on. Well, you're so you're so, so. you're so right. Um, I have one question. Yes. I, I have to ask yes. of viewers. If you look at your uh, principles of truth, freedom, and health, in your opinion, does the rollout of five G play a role in it? Uh, what, what is it? The five G. How does the five G fit in? Yes. So I I did. So you know, um, I'm very. You see, there are. You see what the the. Electromagnetic radiation, okay, if you want to talk about 5G, all right, um, has varying frequencies, right? I mean, UVB radiation from the sun is a form of electromagnetic radiation that's very healing for us, right? That has a certain frequency. Different forms of radiation, Arena, have different frequencies, okay? What many years ago, back in the 1980s, I was studying the pineal gland. You know, when you meditate, I don't know if people... If you've had this experience, when you meditate and you close your eyes, um, you will see a blue light come, okay? Which is, people talk about this experience. Mm -hmm. But the pineal gland, which is, some people call it the third eye, it's an actual gland, and it's one of the most recently um, researched glands. It's made up of piezoelectric crystals. What, it, what do I mean by that? It's a substance in your body that can take a mechanical pressure and create an electrical wave, okay? So many years ago, when I was an undergraduate at MIT, there was an interesting project. Um, did those high tension wires affect us health-wise? You know those um, electrical wires? I don't know if you've seen, if you have them in England, you know, they're open wires where you hear the buzzing sound. There was some correlation that people lived near them had a higher incidence of cancer, okay? So my research led me, this was many years ago, to conclude that the electromagnetic radiation affected the pineal gland. Okay, the pineal gland um, is, is, well, in the spiritual tradition, they call it the seat of soul. Mm -hmm. And when I took my first class at MIT in neuro, uh, neuroscience, the professor was actually making fun of this. They said, oh, that third eye doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. it, it's a useless gland. Well, we know it's a piezoelectric crystal. And in my view, the real understanding of electromagnetic waves is understanding how these waves affect that. Okay. 
Um, but what I can tell you, and, 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 and I did a whole talk on this, but when I did it with the adrenochrome, actually, with the pineal gland and that. But one of the things is that what I can tell you with 5G definitively is that it's part of the surveillance state, okay? With 5G, it's short waves where they want to interconnect everything, okay? Part of 5G is really a definitively an attack on freedom because every device will be connected. It's called the Internet of Things, IoT. So one of the fundamental aspects of 5G is to basically make everything we do watched and observed. In the book I wrote, um, uh, The Future of Email, I talked about two ways that a system operates its predictability and controllability. So with 5G, they're gonna be capturing so much data. Like in China, they have over 200 million cameras with 5G. They can watch your lip movements and understand what you're saying. Wow. 5G is gonna create a surveillance state there's a separate thing from the electromagnetic radiation that what that'll do, but what I can definitively say, it's a way to basically monitor everything. I mean, everything, what you buy, you know, if your dishwasher's on, your behavior, everything. And that control will allow people to figure out how to control you and eventually replace you right. with robots, okay? On the health side, the research, I'm, I've shared recently is that it affects the pineal gland mm. and that pineal gland effect, I think can have not only physical implications, but also spiritual implications. That's very interesting. Yeah. Do you, you know, in the UK here, we have so many campaigns against 5G, but do you think it's definitely coming out? Is there any, what's your opinion on that? Are they going to be effective? Do they have a chance of being effective? You mean 5G as a technology? No, to stop 5G rollout. <clears throat> well, one of the things we need to recognize is that the United States and China, both organizations, have a huge investment in rolling out 5G globally. Right. Okay? So, again, that struggle mm. on going, whether it be against 5G on the surveillance state, um, you know, is really going to come down to are we gonna organize ourselves bottoms up? I, I can't overemphasize this, the thesis that I have here that it's the self-actualized entrepreneurs, th those are the people that need to organize so to stop any of this. Because if you look, we live in a world of technology right now, Irina, right? If you look at vaccines, technology, 3D printing technology, 5G technology, that's why John, <clears throat> one of the reasons that I'm running for Senate is because we live in a world of technology, yet we have lawyer lobbyists running this. No one can even explain this to the average person, what's going on and what the nuances are and, and the threats. You have lawyers or activists running, you know, running around doing this. They're not able to express the, the ideas. You know, when we put out that immune system video, everyone got it. There have been people in this movement against vaccines for 20 years, they did nothing. You know, we did a few videos, but you have to have people actually know what they're talking about explaining stuff versus sort of roundabout explaining some stuff that has nothing to do with anything. But I think the fundamental issue with 5G, it's about a surveillance state. Mm. And the deep state is committed to rolling out 5G everywhere. Mm. So that's another reason, basically, for the Trappist monks that are calling themselves celebrities uh, yeah. to basically get off their backsides and find some courage. Um, and to use their spheres of influence, but 
as you say, don't, irrelevant, don't, hold your breath, don't hold your breath because the people that are, are actually going to do this are the entrepreneurs. And I am so impressed with the comments that we've had on here tonight. Um, could you just give in, in finally, because you've been so generous with your time yes. and, and, and I'm, wow, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, I, I, it is such an honor to have you on here. Please tell our audience three things that they can do to help you win the Senate. Okay. okay so here are the three, so here are the three things. Number one, uh, anyone who's in the United States, go to shivaforsenate.com, donate to the campaign and support, you know, this movement for truth, freedom and health. If you're outside of the United States, this is sort of the one B, if you're outside of the United States, tell your friends to donate to the campaign and support us. Okay. And by the way, if you want to get the book and your body, your system, the tool, if you're outside, you can still do that. Go directly to yourbodyyoursystem.com. Uh, for those people who want to support the campaign, go to Shiva numeral four senate.com. So that's first. Number two, what people can do is to recognize that they need to boost their immune system. Mm -hmm. And this is something you need to do this for yourself, because if you don't do this for yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. I guarantee you. And it's a way of making you a free human being and also reconnecting with your body and also reconnecting with the environment around you. The third thing everyone can do to support what we're doing to, to help win the Senate campaign is to recognize that we have two enemies here, the obvious establishment and the not so obvious establishment. And human suffering has always occurred because people get suckered by the not so obvious establishment. And we need to recognize that change is not going to come from the celebrities. It's not going to come from the Clintons or the Fauci's or the Kennedy's. It's going to come bottoms up. It always has. And when enough of the material starts boiling, the change will be very fast. It's not it, 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 it'll be that's that's what I, in, when I in, in the book System and Revolution, that's what I define a revolution as. A revolution doesn't have to be violent. But if enough people and I think it's about 20 percent get it a wave gets created and the change occurs very, very rapidly. Mm. And, but we cannot be suckered in by the not so obvious establishment because they are really the other side of the enemy. Mm. And those are the plagiarists. They're the hypocrites. They talk one thing and they always try to say, well, I did that because I had to do that under this condition, right? Whenever you hear that language or we're here to protect you, those are the not so obvious establishment. So what I can really say, John, it's an awakening people need to do. Right. Because we need enough people to awaken. And when that awakening takes place, change is going to be overnight. But the biggest awakening is people need to break from the not so obvious establishment, the Clintons, the Kennedys, the Bernie Sanders, the people who say they're here to help us, the fake economy, the fake Indians, you know, huh. the fake uh, the other side of the establishment, because that is what has historically kept significant change from occurring. Look. In India, you know, by way of example, when the British came, there was a point in Indian history where the where the Indians wanted to have a good revolution and they parachuted in Gandhi. Gandhi was a not so obvious establishment. Absolutely. You know, he was all, he was all engineered for that. He's one of the most profound examples of the not so obvious establishment. Every country should have had it. You know, America had a good revolution. Right. Um, India was not Gandhi came because there was a burgeoning movement bottoms up. He was parachuted in, and what he did was he, he, India never got a declaration of independence. 
India got the transfer of power. If you remember, that's what the document was called. Transfer of power from Mountbatten to Nehru. Okay, and then Nehru gave it to Indira Gandhi. And I mean, it was a dynasty that they created. India never had a bottoms up revolution. So the not so obvious establishment is used to stop the authentic bottoms up movement. And this is one of the most important things people need to get, John. Otherwise, someone like a fake version of myself or a fake version of the warriors will come up, right? To basically mislead people. Mm. And that's what we need to get. Or a fake version of all of us, real entrepreneurs, right? They'll have the fake entrepreneurs, a fake version. And, and, a, and a litmus test of studying that is, can you stand up on your own two feet? What do you do for a living? These are the questions we need to ask these people. And if they come from a background of entrepreneurialism, taking risks, having a skill, working hard, having a connection to truly having a spiritual connection, those elements, those are the people we need to align with because the fake versions of them are in it for the wrong reasons. That's why I keep saying, don't count on the celebrities. It's never going to happen. Don't look top down. It's never going to happen. No, it is a way to be misled. Well, true, you know, true. as I told you that quote at the end of all of this, it's not the voices of our enemies that we will remember. It will be the silence of our friends. And I have been frankly disgusted by people who I consider to be aware individuals who have been as silent as Trappist monks. And I, I but I agree with you. That's my stupidity in expecting them to do anything in the first place, because what you're saying is spot on. It is the it is the original thinkers. It is the entrepreneurs. It's the change makers. It's the dynamic beings. And I just want to acknowledge, I mean, you've now been on here, by the way, for nearly two and a half hours. You haven't used a script and uh, you have not been reading from uh, notes. Notes. You're very This authentic. has all been delivered. And this speaks to a deep, deep command of your subject, a deep command of your subject. And um, I just want to acknowledge this. The comments that we're getting on here are, have been absolutely incredible. Um, the audience has stayed on for the entire period. And you broke the record. And you broke the record. For that. Wow. Why? Well, let's, Why? let's break the deep state. The goal is to destroy the deep state, destroy yes. ignorance. And, and everyone listening, get every, we have built a, you know, a groundswell bottoms up. We have to connect heaven and earth. You know, that's what this is about. And in fact, this book, I, I think I dedicated to, if you read this book, it says to heaven on earth. That's what the book it says. Okay. I don't know if you can read that. Yes, wow. We can read How, that. Amazing. Okay? How amazing. Um, so, so this is a defining moment for all of us, John. And I think all the people you have listening, John and Arena, it's, I'm really honored to be here, but we have an opportunity. If you think about the epicenter of the deep state, it is Massachusetts. Oh, it's and we have to win here. By winning here, it will be like a nuclear bomb went off for the deep state. So we have a huge opportunity to win, and that will support you know, the goals of what's going on globally. But Massachusetts is the thought center. It's the epicenter of all of this. And so there's a reason we're on this call. There's a reason that life brought me here. Mm -hmm. And the reason that you know, I, I never thought I'd run for U.S. Senate, I'm doing this. So everyone, you know, this is our fight. This is not my fight. This is our fight. And our campaign is really beyond just Shiva for Senate. It's a fight for truth, freedom and health. So everyone get out there, donate whatever you can, get volunteers to help us get the word out in all means in social media everywhere. That's what we need. Well, somebody who's been on the feed for the whole time is one of London's top 
top and most brilliant entrepreneurs. And he is somebody, uh, and I've known him my whole life. He started from scratch and he has made, wow. well, I don't want to say how much money he's made, but he's made a tremendous, <laughs> successful. very, very successful man. He's oh, that's great. Peter Southall. And um, basically he's saying so true, Dr. Shiva, uh, you know, celebrities get paid to be directed. So true. But I'm going to tell you a little story. Peter Southall and I mm. and Irina were in the south of France last uh, September. September. And we sat down and we had a lunch and we were discussing the evil that is psychiatry and how they've been drugging mm. and so on and so forth. And we said, this year, we are going to put in place the pieces to smash psychiatry on this planet. And you know what, Peter, what we've witnessed tonight on this mm. broadcast, this man, this, this man, this is the weapon. This is God's weapon on earth. And he is going to help smash psychiatry. We have to make him the senator for Massachusetts. There is nothing that will drive the deep state crazier than if this guy gets elected. In many ways... Um, you know, he is the ultimate backup tool for the president. Yeah. Can you imagine having this man with his intellect backing up the president from the Senate? You know, and frankly, even the Republican senators in this current administration, I'm not that impressed with them, really. Mm. You know, they've got an amazing guy in the White House. They, they themselves were like up. Trappist monks when it mm. came to the Russia investigation. Yeah. Um, you know, and we all knew that was fake from the bloody beginning. Mm. So, uh, Peter Southall, thoughts manifest. And you and I and Irina and, uh, you know, uh, who else was with us? Catherine was with us and, and Ted. Ted, Ted mm. our, the business partner, was with us at lunch. And we had a fantastic lunch. But the best thing about that lunch was that we agreed that we were this year, we were going to find the ingredients to smash psychiatry for good on this planet. And here we go. Uh, a few months later, okay, didn't happen overnight, but here we go. Dr. Shiva is here. So please, ladies and gentlemen, if you are aware, if you are aware of the harm that psychiatry has done, and I know a number of people watching here are aware of the harm of that. And if you are aware of the not so obvious establishment, if you've been living your life thinking, you know what? There's something odd going on on this planet. I don't understand what it is. You watch the Matrix film and you go, you know what? This Morpheus guy is a bit odd. This is a bit of an odd movie. But there's something about this movie that does make sense. There's something about this. What we're looking at here is somebody who has basically just red-pilled us all. Mm. And I want to remind everybody, you can go back and you can re-watch this. We're going to repost it up on YouTube there is a second wave coming. The deep state and the not so obvious establishment is not finished with you yet. Trust me, they are not finished with you yet. And we're only in, we're not even in June yet, 2020. Mm -hmm. And uh, some other very, very peculiar shit is going to happen, excuse my French, before this election is done. So... The, the, the harder we hit these guys and the more you share this information and the more you get behind somebody like Dr. Shiva, 
okay, the less likely that is to happen. Yeah. But I can promise you it is part of their plan and you can stick that in the bank. Mm. And thank you to everyone who's donated sure. already from the comments and uh, thanks to all who bought the books. Yeah, people have been donating as we've been going through. Yes. Thank you to everybody. Um, Please. If somebody continue. could buy a book for me and send it to Camelot, I would really appreciate it. Because I... <laughs> I'll send you one, John. No, 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 no. Yes, I mean, we'll have somebody buy one. <laughs> if somebody could buy me a book, I'd like one. Um, All right. That'd be great. So um, it's been fantastic. Um, what can I say? Uh, lovely to have you here. Lovely to have you here, Doctor. Thank you to both of you, and thank you to your grace uh, and everyone. You know, it's always a pleasure to come here. There's a, a beautiful energy that comes through, even though we're, you know, separated by the ocean here. Well, but I appreciate it very, very much. I think there is. And a let's. Yes, we, we, we have to win. Mm. I think this is we have to win, and we have to go at it to win, and we have to unite the forces of light to come together. That's what this is about. So thank you. But thank sure you so much. It's been so valuable. Your explanations of some of the concepts with regards to hydroxychloroquine and the rollout of the software. I have never, ever, ever heard it before from anyone. You have this incredible ability to explain this really complex concept in such an easy way. And I think that's the real treasure. Thank you very, very much. Sure. You're welcome. Good. And I hope you come back again. Marcus, Definitely. thank you very much. Says I've donated to Dr. Shiva and signed up for his course. Mm. There you go. So Wonderful news, and many others have too. And Some that's people are asking, really helpful. Uh, so yeah. You know, can you take donations by PayPal? Uh, maybe. I, yeah, we can take donations by PayPal. We also have a whole institute that I set up, John, called SystemsHealth.com, separate from what where we actually train people. On we have a whole bunch of courses. And we actually have created a model where people can learn and they can go train other people. So it's almost a systems health online and people can open up their own. Basically, it's a mushroom model. So people can learn and they can do learn, teach and serve. And, and I've been running that for a while. And it's a very nice model because the goal is when you learn these concepts, the goal is to share it with others. So you can basically it's an educational model. One thing in Massachusetts is Harvard, for example, is trying to shut down homeschooling. It's very interesting. There's a conference coming up. So they actually have a conference to say that parents should not be allowed to school their kids at home or, or put regulations on it, again, by the liberal elites who are doing this. So that's why I think to what we just shared, John, I think the whole is we're going to see this is a test. And then the next goal is to see how much more imposition of regulations and fascism can be imposed. So that's why it's really, really important people start organizing, getting together and get these principles clear in their minds. Yeah, and I can't stress enough the value I understood now for the first time, the value of the book of because the systems method that you created is, is it's, that's the core algorithm. That's your core algorithm. It's the core operating system because because if people can understand, um, uh, you know, what what is actually going on at a deep level? Uh, I mean, I read a couple of pages of this book before people liked it. If you want, I can end on this, but I don't know how much time we have. But no, uh, do you want me to read a couple of I'll just read one one page of this two pages. I think it'll pe give people the feeling of what I'm talking about. I said, what is to be done? I said, I said, you have nothing to lose but your chains. OK, 
I said, I'm starting this book with a quote from Karl Marx. Is that outrageous? Is it inflammatory? I hope so. I have four degrees from MIT, but I don't want to be the smart boy scientist in khakis and a sports shirt giving a TED talk and then going out for a cappuccino. One of the themes of this book will be the relationship between the center and the periphery in a human cell and a human body and in all aspects of human affairs and the realization there actually is no center about one, uh, but one that has been imposed on us from above. One of the core things we've been all taught there is a center. Mm. In fact, the, the re latest research shows, so we were taught there's a center to the cell. Well, it turns out that's not true. All the cool things occur at the periphery, at the edges of the cell. We were taught there's a center to the universe. It turns out that at the edges of the universe is where thought or information is made, okay? So um, I was definitely born in the periphery, the child of a low, lower caste family in India where my grandmother was a spiritual healer. But I don't want to be a wise and gentle guru telling about the Hindu God with the head of an elephant. Here's what I do want, but more, but it's more than want, it's need. I need to tell you about what I've learned in my unique education and even and even and my even more unique life experiences. Why do I need that? It's not to stoke my ego. It's not to be on television. It's because a time for change, radical change has arrived. And I have a role to play at this historic moment. I have tools to provide, not physical tools, but vital information for this opportunity so that that we don't blow it. I feel like I've been given an assignment. I've been cast in a role and it's not an easy one to fulfill. I have to tell people the truth. And when they don't believe me, I have to change their minds. I invented the first authentic comprehensive email system when I was a 14 year old working at the re as a research fellow at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey. That's the truth, but it's a controversial statement. I've been called quote unquote del delusional. So why don't I just forget about it? Why don't I just shut up about it? Here's why. That experience took place in the cultural context of growing up as a lower caste Indian kid where my earliest memories as a four year old was being segregated and given water in a different bowl from my quote unquote upper caste friends and emigrating from the extremes of Bombay and a small South Indian rural village in, in, in Tamil Nadu to Newark, New Jersey. It was part of a timeline that included observing my grandmother's practice of Siddha, an ancient system of medicine and healing and also attending an elite program in computer science as a 14 year old at NYU's Corrin Institute of Mathematical Sciences while I was still in high school. It's very true that I haven't followed the standard nerd script and said, oh shucks, but it's not because I'm delusional. On the contrary, I've been stripped of all delusions about how things work for innovators who don't fit the mold. What's really delusional are people inside a centralized academic corporate or government environment sitting in judgment of me when I'm a creature of the periphery. That's an entirely different setting and I'm a different kind of person every way. It's also delusional for those in controlling positions in academia, business or government to imagine I'm not going to share my experience in order to ignite radical and positive change. That's how the book starts, you know, and it continues from there. I mean, I can keep going, but the, I think Put the book up so everybody can see it. Yeah, yeah. Here's the book. But, but for her back, yes, yeah, perfect, 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 perfect. Shiva, the, the system and revolution. This is the book of the moment, and uh, you can get that book by going to the website. And yeah, that's the electronic version. If people want to get it on Amazon. They can go to Amazon. If they want the print. We give an ebook, John. Oh, oh, great, great, great. Yeah, because a lot of people wanted that. Well, and, then, and, they also, and they also get a tool, John. Oh. They get a tool to practice this. Um, well, this, but, this, sorry. Yes, yeah, so I, I encourage people to do that, you know. Um, 
because it'll teach you the fundamentals. It's sort of stripping everything away and going at the core. And then I teach you control systems theory, which is sort of the essence science that people need to get. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you. Well, you know, um, we have taken up an incredible amount of your time. It has been incredibly generous of you. Um, we will invite you to come back on the show again. I hope. <laughs> okay. If there's anything we can do to help you with over here, you just let me know. And we stay in touch. And um, thank you so much, Dr. Shiva. Yes, thank you to everyone out there. Thank you for your kindness and your love and your grace. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll say goodbye now, and I'll probably call you a little later. Okay, thank you, John. Be well. Thanks, Serena. Thank you. Shiva, thank, thank you, you so much. Bye-bye. Well, what can we say about that? That was really quite special, wasn't it, Don? Yes, thank you very much for all the amazing record views we've had well this, it was amazing podcast, wasn't it really yeah. mm. um and of course um tonight has been sponsored by the we have a special uh thing called the camelot castle shop which is now open and at the camelot castle shop as well as you can actually get yourself a special voucher a special voucher which we have prepared for those of you here we go that would like to visit Camelot Castle after lockup is over so do visit that and uh, we'll put it up at the end um, what can I say what a pleasure it has been to have Dr. Shiva on I'm just trying to get rid of this um, thank you for all of your feedback, and I am going to leave you tonight. Did, darling, did you have any final thoughts well, on this evening? I think he's an, he has an incredible mind. Not only he has got a forensic mind, but also such an ability to communicate Yeah, that people can really understand, and I think this was very valuable to many people understanding these concepts that they couldn't understand. I mean, I didn't understand exactly how hydroxychloroquine worked. Did you? All the no, four stages I of didn't the virus it. replication. Now I really understand. I knew it was working. And Penny Atwell Jones joined we us. We love you too, Penny. We love you Thank too, you Penny. Thank you for joining. One of the most elegant young ladies in Clearwater, hmm. who is responsible for the Penny's Trump trains, but also is responsible for all those boats going up and down everywhere now. That's all, Penny. Mm. Well done, Penny. They've taken your car. They've taken you offshore now. <laughs> the Penny's Trump train has got become the Penny's boat train. Well, yeah. Which is fantastic. Well done. Um, really, really super. Yeah, but now if someone tells you that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, I mean, you can completely you can refer them to that video, them to can, that video and we will make clips out yeah. of all this important little pieces of of this whole interview and you can just send them that video and i think it's self-explanatory really yeah and, and do as soon as we've done finish this create a watch party because you know people can get this data later and it's quite useful marrick has very kindly put up the website for the camelot castle shop thank you marrick uh there is some amazing uh, other things on there. We keep adding stuff to the shop. So if you've been there before, 
Uh, there's all sorts of other souvenirs you can have. And of course, that helps. Uh, well, I don't know what it helps with. It helps keep the whole thing going. Yes. And uh, the restoration of Camelot Castle, which is what we're embarked upon um, now. But also do help Dr. Shiva because people like that are incredibly valuable and they very, really very rare. Yeah, you know what? There's a real opportunity, by the way, if somebody really wants to become an influence in DC politics, like a real influence, there's a real opportunity for a big spirit to get behind Dr. Shiva mm. and really help him. There's a really big... And I know a lot of our friends in America are interested and have noticed how Irina and myself have been able to help the President of the United States and how we've been able to help Charlie Kirk, and as many of you know, we have actually raised in excess of $30 million in the last 12 months for conservative causes in America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's obviously appreciated over there. But if somebody wants to create their own opportunity in politics, Dr. Shiva would be a very good thing to back. Because if he wins Massachusetts, which I think he can, I've looked at the numbers, I think he can. Mm. Um... I mean, the Kennedy family are, are basically shitting it, mm. uh, to be absolutely honest. They're very nervous indeed, and that's why he's coming under attack. Yes, you know? uh, yes. and for the American you know, audience, this is your opportunity to really get behind someone like him. Yeah, especially those of you that are trained in life and understand you know, how suppression can come in on somebody. It would, it would be very helpful to Dr. Shiva to, you know, really get into communications, you know, and, and, and find out what he needs and wants. And, you know, he needs help. He needs help. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how much help, um, you know, that works. Uh, how much help people need. Mm. So, anyway, lovely to see you. And I'm going to leave you with the closing sequence, which has never been truer, really. Thanks for good night. Good Thank night, you everybody. very much. Thank you.